and welcome in to another edition of the Wednesday Windup here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. I'm Jack, he's Mitch, you know the drill, it's time to get into some everything, college football, MLB, NFL, I mean, just the biggest news. What a great around. week! I mean, everything's going on right now, Jack. We got, like you said, college football, what a weekend, what a time to be alive, I'll say it again. Uh, NFL kicks off tomorrow. We're going to go through some uh, heavy-duty predictions this week, right? Absolutely. Kind of previewed it a little bit last week. And, of course, you know, it's September, which means the Phillies and Mets are falling apart right before our very eyes. So we have so much to get into. We got Abby Regs in the studio just doing absolutely everything for us right now. I don't have headphones that work, but it's going to be okay. We're going to go with the show anyways. Absolutely. Despite the... uh the troubles of start, we're going to give you a great product today, and we're going to go right into college football, like Mitch said. Just so much happening from week one. We're going to you know, look back on some of the best games from week one before we preview some of the more exciting matchups ahead in week two. I mean, you said it. I think we got to go to NC State and East Carolina to start, though, because that Ooh. game was chaotic. Wow. Putting it lightly. I mean, from start to finish, this game was fantastic. And, you know, you got to look at, how this game ended, really, before you can get into how the middle of it went, because there was just so much, I mean, chaos. That's the word you used. Yeah. I mean, let's just, uh, East Carolina. So this is the one, uh, it was a one-point victory, if I'm correct, for uh, NC State. And that is only because, uh, well, it's not only because, but the the main thing people are going to take away is the kicking game, right? Obviously, the missed field goal at the end, the missed extra point that would have tied 30 seconds prior, you know, Kicking at the end wasn't there. One was pushed, one was pulled. That's not what it what it gets down to, though. I mean, this was the 13th ranked NC State, right? Yes, sir. Against an unranked East Carolina. I actually didn't even intend on watching this game, Jack. I, w- I just turned on something because I was bored on Saturday because everyone on this campus left for Labor Day. Uh, so I was just looking for something to do, so I turned this game on, and I was entertained from start to finish. Even when, you know, NC State was up by two scores, it never felt like East Carolina was out of it. They made noise, they made plays, and they just kept putting together drives. It wasn't like they just had one play, like a some 80-yard touchdown that just sparked their entire game. It was putting together drives, it was putting together, until the end, all three phases of the game playing defense when they needed to, playing offense, obviously, to keep themselves in the game and get back from that hole to make it potentially a victory at the gun there. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for them. They couldn't pull off the upset, but number 13, definitely looking shaky to start off. Absolutely, and you have to keep in mind, excuse me, that there's no preseason for these teams. It's just, right, you know, this is the technical preseason. You go through fall camp and you get ready for the season, but there's going to be some some rocky patches for a lot of these teams, and you saw it with Clemson on Monday night. We'll get into that later <laughs> on in the show. But it's just, for a lot of these teams, it's just the first half of the game, and honestly, sometimes even the whole game is just, you know, ironing out those those problems that carried on from fall camp. So it's just this one was a little rough for the Wolfpack, but um, they were able to get out of there with a win and an intense rivalry because these two schools do not like each other. Uh, but for East Carolina, you have to look at this one and take away. It says, you know, this one was a very winnable game. And very winnable, and, and I mean, just you can tell the the passion was there all throughout uh, with the East Carolina crowd. I mean, they were into it from start to finish. Absolutely. By the way, as you hear the door slam, what a shout out to Abby Regs. I have headphones that work on my head. I am being clotheslined by the court a little bit, but we are <laughs> we are back in business, Jack. I'm. We are functioning as a well oiled machine now that we have the headphones <laughs> working. So. This is this is chaotic. I mean, what a start. I mean, what a chaotic start to the show, but we've got the train on the tracks and things are going well. So 
But yeah, NC State, I mean, look, you have to look at the positives. You didn't play your best game. You had terrible red zone offense. You couldn't get in the end zone. East Carolina stuffed you at the goal line multiple on multiple occasions. But at the end of the day, the Wolfpack gets out of there with a win. And you say, hey, look, we did not play our best game by any means. We'll move on to week two with a 1-0 record. And really, that's all that matters at the that end is, of the day. That, see, I wish that was all that matters. But this is, this is college football. This is the... Love it or hate it, this is the interesting thing that I was explaining to one of my friends over the weekend uh, during the OSU game. It's that actually isn't all that matters. It's how you win in college, which I think it, I, I think it adds another layer to it, you know. And it, it's why you see Clemson running up 40, uh, 41 points. It's you know you have to win by more. And, and to me, honestly, like I I may be in the minority. I don't watch too much college football, so I'm just kind of getting into this. But no, a one point victory where I could argue easily that you should have lost NC State. Uh, that isn't as impressive as um, some of these other things, and you might see them slip in the rankings because of it. Yeah, absolutely. But just for me, yes, I agree with you in the fact that you need to win in a certain way. But it's just, you know, you look at the things like at the end of the season, like it's only week one, so you're yeah. definitely going to improve. And, you know, you brought up that Clemson thing, and it's like, Look, they might have won forty-one to ten, but it's more into it. You, like the box score doesn't tell the whole story of that game. And again, that was I a closer get, game. Yeah. It absolutely was. But, but I, I think what you're saying is accurate to uh, to the players and to the team itself moving into week two. That yes, you won. You know, sigh of relief, weathered the storm. Let's move on. Is kind of what they're probably thinking down in uh, North Carolina. Yeah, but I mean, also look, we, we got to be realistic here. NC State is not going to make the college football playoff. I look, they they are a top fifteen school. And in the expanded playoff, which we'll get, we'll certainly talk about. Oh, what but a topic. It's just, you know, this year NC State will more than likely not make the playoff. I mean, I think they'll go into that Week 5 Clemson game undefeated, but I don't think the Wolfpack will be in the top four when the season's all said and done. I just don't think they're that good of a team. They are they are a good roster with a good coach, but I don't think they're a top four team in college football. Uh, but, you know, that's that. It was a hard-fought rivalry game Week 1, NC State. Scratches and claws just to get out of there with a win, but they're one to know at the end of the day. So, good looks for them. We're going to go back to Thursday night, and we're going to keep it local. Penn State. Yes. I mean, what a game that was. Purdue gave them everything they could handle and more. And you said on this show, it's going to be an easy win. Oh, dude, Penn State, no problem. Penn State, no problem. In the no words problem, of Mitchell Smedley. Dude. And what happened? What happened? There was problems. They won. They won. No problem. With a lot of problems, I might say. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, uh, In the words of Gus Johnson, Sean Clifford looked magical. Well, before we get back into Penn State, we do have a quick <laughs> message from the KU Notebook. Attention KU faculty, have you or a colleague made a positive impact in the undergraduate research field? If so, nominate them for undergraduate research and creativity's faculty mentorship awards. The awards recognize excellence in faculty engagement with undergraduate researchers and carries $500 in professional development funds. The deadline for nominations is quickly approaching, and you have until March 1st to turn in your application materials. To learn more about UGRC's faculty mentorship awards, please visit www.kutztown.edu slash UGRC and look under undergraduate research and creativity. And if you'd like to stay updated with everything UGRC has to offer, you can follow them on Instagram at UGRC underscore KU. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Back in a college football talk, Penn State and Purdue. 35-31 final. And one of the biggest concerns for me was a Penn State rushing attack. I oh, mean, it was putrid. Advertised as an improved unit, and I still think it can be. It's only week one. I'm not going to over-exaggerate and say, well, the Penn State run game is going to be awful the whole year. No, but it certainly didn't look promising. This looked a lot like the rushing attack from last year. Uh, and, you know, really couldn't get anything going. 13, uh, 32 carries, excuse me, for 98 yards. That's 3.1 yards per, per attempt. 
that's not good. They did have a rushing touchdown by Sean Clifford, who had five total touchdowns in the day with four more passing. I forgot he had a rushing touchdown. But honestly, Clifford, he looked like Sean Clifford. Outside of that last drive, which is very impressive, that marching them right down the field unreal. to give them the win, that looked different. But his some of the throws he had, I mean, you're like, what are you doing? That, that pick six, I mean, that throw was abysmal. Oh. And I know you're not going to be able to make every good throw as a quarterback, but it's like, look, you're a six-year senior here. You should know by now that if you have to get the ball to your hands quicker and also not overthrow your guy by 10 feet. Well, uh, it's really, really interesting, like, like what you're bringing up with Clifford. I mean... I was screaming uh, with the people over that were watching it with me. I was screaming, put Aller in, you know, because uh, Clifford actually got uh, banged up a little bit for a series, and, and uh, Drew Aller was in. I think Drew's his first name. Yes. I just kind of came up with that. Okay, it is. All right. And um, Aller, you know, he, he didn't make every throw. He made a couple, and then, you know, a couple were, were off, but it wasn't off like, like Clifford seemed to be off for most of that game. Um, to be fair, he did make a couple uh, cool throws, and, and – uh, Franklin's uh, tight end room was advertised, was as advertised, I should say. I mean, that uh, that catch and run for, what was it, 61, 63 yards? Yeah, strange. I, yeah, strange. Right before the, the half. Uh, that was incredible. That was insane, and that was set up by uh, the Penn State defense doing what the Penn State defense does, uh, forcing fumbles. However, for most of that game, I was furious with Sean Clifford as a Penn State fan. Yeah, just another thing for me, timely turnovers forced by the Nittany Lion defense, but also Purdue. I mean, the mistakes they made in that game, bad tackling, and that's a common theme you see across week one. Uh, just also ties back into the, you know, this is their first action of the season. The tackling is going to be crisp, and that gets better as the season goes on. But for me, it's just Purdue. I mean, untimely penalties. I mean, just really setting themselves back on the offense. And then the defense taking some bad penalties, putting Penn State in some more favorable situations. I mean, that's a game where Purdue easily could have had it. They only lost by four. Um, but yeah, you know, for, for Jeff a while, Brown's, Penn State wasn't capitalizing on those mistakes. Though. And yeah, no, no, they weren't. Not until the very end. Exactly. But you know, Jeff Brown's Boilermakers team—they got to be, you know, walking out of this Week One game thinking, "Hey, that one was right in our grasp." And they do have an easier schedule coming up. I mean, they can realistically win five, six in a row. That's how easy their schedule is. We're gonna just read through it real quick. They got Indiana State at home, Syracuse on the road, who looked good in Week One, but I still think that's a win. FAU at home before they travel to Minnesota, so they could be three and one. And honestly, you could make the argument it's 4-0, but they did lose that game to Penn State. It's in the books now. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's in the past. But they're going to be 3-1 going to the Minnesota game, and I think that's a game earlier on in the season that could have big implications out in the Big Ten West. Sounds good. I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with you there, and I, I think uh, I, I really liked Purdue, and like you said, it was we- only week one. I think they're only going to get better. Uh, I think week four or five, they maybe even pull off the upset on Penn State. So I, I would uh, pick them to win that big matchup up in, uh, would you say, Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, Those are two so. teams that do have aspirations for a Big Ten West title and a trip to the Big Ten championship game uh, as this season continues on. But for Penn State, upcoming schedule, they got Ohio at home before traveling down to Jordan-Hare Stadium in week three against Auburn in a big-time non-conference matchup. Uh, these two teams met up in Happy Valley last year that saw Penn State win. I do think that result repeats, but... We'll talk about that, you know, as I believe it'll get closer. Uh, but then they got Central Michigan after that before they get into their big slate of Big Ten play. So this could be a good year for Penn State. I mean, it was shaping up to be a good year last year before, oh, you know, the injury brutal. to Clifford happened and the train completely derailed, and that's kind of where the season fell off. But, you know, I think there's a lot to like there. If Penn State can get that rushing attack, you know, cleaned up, I think they look like a lot more dangerous of a team. Oh, yeah, if I don't have to see Roverson in the, uh, in the backfield there, I think we're, uh, I think we're good to go. That was just awful. I was down in um, Carolina for the Eagles-Panthers last year, 
And Saturday night beforehand, we were watching the Penn State. Ooh, who was that? Illinois? Was that the – no, Illinois was the overtimes. Um, it was another one of those Big Iowa. Ten teams. Iowa. I knew it started with an I. Um, and Roverson had to come in. We were dominating uh, early on in that game. And then slowly they came in and, and chipped away because our offense literally was not moving. Uh, so that was a grueling loss. And then the uh, the overtime – debacle uh one or two weeks later and the season just derailed from there so. absolutely speaking of iowa they had a rough week one win against south dakota state seven three no touchdowns were scored in the game iowa got all their points off two safeties and oh, a field goal that? i mean wow i mean that is just about as scratch and claws you can get yeah. iowa fans chanting to bench starting quarterback spencer petrus um you know I'm not sold on this Iowa team. They're going to be a good team. They always are on the West, but they're not going to be anything special. And I feel like Iowa never has a good quarterback. I mean, they mm-hmm. just have a run in the middle. Okay, you could start in like, you're, you're a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten quarterback, and you're never going to be elite. You yep. know, that's what Iowa's quarterback situation is, and that's what it will continue to be in my mind. Uh, but that was just an interesting game for me. Going back down south, North Carolina, though, at App State. This I mean, was game another was. one, man. How many? Uh, 40 points in the fourth quarter for Appalachian State. 40 points in the fourth quarter. And I mean, that was to crazy. lose. To lose the way they did. It was just. Wow. I mean, hurts. talk about mistakes. And this was both teams late in the game. This looked like week one. I mean, let's just, if you only want to start from the uh, Appalachian State scores to go down by one, uh, decide, uh, elects to go for two to try and take the lead, uh, almost close out the game here. And has a wide open opportunity, and um, the Appalachian State quarterback, whose name eludes me right now, uh, overthrows his receiver in the end zone. I mean, it was an easy two-point conversion. Easy two-point conversion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Chase Bryce, the senior, I mean, he's just, you know, it's just an unfortunate finish. They rallied to come back. So many points scored. I mean, what a week one game. 63-61. Yeah. No defense played. But I think the over uh, hit on that one. Uh, yeah, just slightly. And then, well, and then only after that, you think, oh, okay, well, UNC's got this uh, in the bag. Nope, onside kick is picked up and ran back, which keeps the uh, the Appalachian State offense in play because now they're down eight, but with the ball, still a one-score game. And, I mean, drive of drives here. They go down and they score. I mean, what more could you want? And then they come up just short. Just short. I mean, Bryce tried to run it in, got a yard short in that two-point conversion. That's where the Mountaineers' hope of pushing for overtime ended. But for Appalachian State, things don't get any easier. they got to take this one and go down to Kyle Field and go play the sixth-ranked Texas A&M Aggies Ooh, in Week fun. 2. So, yeah, that's that does not shape up to be a fun one. But for North Carolina, there's a lot of positives to like here. Uh, they got Georgia State on the road next week. They could be 3-0 and going into a home matchup in Chapel Hill against Notre Dame. I mean, Drake May Drake May looks really good at the quarterback spot for the Tar Heels. I mean, he's just he's coming in flourished, brother of Luke May, UNC basketball legend who led them on many of March Madness runs, wow. including a big buzzer beater in the in the Elite Eight against Kentucky to send them to the Final Four. Um, but you know, May is flourishing. Mac Brown's offense looks great, and people, you know, North Carolina was a very highly doubted team going into the season. You know, Mac Brown not living up to expectations he had them fifth ranked uh you know a couple years ago but certainly they haven't been you know a national power but i think this year could be different if they can get through that notre dame game with a win and go 4-0 playing virginia tech at home that would make that matchup against miami later on in the season down in coral gables much more interesting because i think both of those teams would be undefeated at that mark well no miami does have a week three matchup against a&m so maybe they would lose Mm -hmm. that one that's to be determined but Again, that would just make the ACC a lot more interesting, and that would add to the to the Atlantic Division and really have someone to compete with Clemson. 
Well, yeah, I just really don't think uh, you should be undoubted as a uh, as a national uh, power if you're letting up 40 points in the fourth quarter and if you're making huge errors that could have come back to bite you if Appalachian wasn't a yard short. I mean, that game could be in overtime when it should have been locked up, but a, a special teams error could have forced overtime. Uh, I, I don't know. Letting up 40 points in a quarter doesn't sit well with me as a team that has aspirations to shake it up with Clemson. We'll see how it goes. You know, that it, like you said, like we've been saying so far in the show, only week one, no preseason. We'll see what happens down the road. But, I mean, I was entertained, uh, very entertained during that game, but I was not impressed with North Carolina. I'll leave it there. No, I, I was not fully impressed with the Tar Heels defense. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll break down more week one and preview week two of college football. Stay with us here on the Wednesday Windup. And welcome back to the Wednesday Windup, everybody. On the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown as Mitch gets his I'm figuring it out. headphone situation I am reset now moving up. the mic. <laughs> He's getting everything together. See, the problem is uh, Jack has a monopoly on my cord situation because my cord is wrapped around his chair seven ways from Sunday. Let me put it up and over there. Yeah, now it's, now it's around Jack. There we go. Just Jack. You know? Yeah, just... No chairs involved. No chairs involved, just wrapped around <laughs> me. So, interesting situation here in the studio. We're going to get back to week one of <laughs> college football breakdown, and we're going to you know go a little bit more rapid fire. Uh, we're going to take our breakdowns to Georgia-Oregon, 49-3, an absolute blitzing by the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, Bonix, Not really much to say there, just 49-3. to Bonix continued to look like Bonix. People thought he might look a little different up. In Oregon, uh, in a Ducks uniform, but no, same old Bo Nick sticks around, uh, throws a bad interception, and the game derailed from there. Freshman Malachi Starks, though, did have an impressive interception along the sideline in the first quarter for Georgia. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the real story for this game for Georgia is definitely about the offense. I mean, Stetson Bennett looked fantastic. 25 of 31, 368 through the air, two touchdowns. You know, the rushing attack, average 5.3 a carry, really good against the 11th ranked team in the country. Of course, you know, McIntosh, I mean, you got to look at him. You know, Kenny McIntosh, a senior, nine catches a buck, 17 through the air, 13 per reception. Lad McConkey was involved through the air on the ground. And, of course, that talented tight end room of Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington. Uh, I mean, those two guys are just absolute animals. So, Yeah, I mean, I think the story here is actually uh, more between you and me because, Jack, uh, I think this is the game you used to prove your point about the college football playoff expansion. I did. Uh, which is that 11 had no chance against three. Uh, I, and I don't know how your uh, how your blitz here is laid out, but I'm just going to take a gander that your next game may or may not have been the example that I used for my position on the college football playoff expansion, which was number two, Ohio State University, taking on number five, Notre Dame, in a highly entertaining Saturday night matchup. That was where I was going to go next because oh, I would have liked to. Us. I would have liked to go over. Um. But, you know, some others, but no, we don't have we time. We can stick to time. it. Let's time. stick to it a little more. No, no, no it's fine. Because I think what you said is valid, that 11 had no shot in this game. Yeah, 11 did have no shot. It I was, mean, it was Oregon looked like three. Oregon did not look like they belonged in the same football field as Georgia. Only the Falcons could give that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my Falcons buddy's listening, so. So, well, hey, Chris. yeah, the Falcons, yeah. Yo, Chris, the Falcons fan, I'm very sorry that you are a Falcons fan. It's been <laughs> rough down there. For, for quite some time. To be fair, he is a Braves fan, though, so oh, uh, he might have one up on you in the standings here coming up. Well, well, I don't want to talk about that yet, Mitch. I'm in a good mood today. Uh, yeah, I'm here to ruin that. So, thank kind you. kind of my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to Columbus, Ohio. Ohio State, Notre Dame, 2-5, and this one was a lot closer than many people thought. Not this guy. I knew it. 
I knew it. I knew it. I was on the side of this is going to be a blowout, but I also didn't anticipate that this Ohio State offense would look look not so good. Was I it mean, the Notre Dame defense? Is it possible that Notre Dame is a good team ranked number five in the country? Is this a huge concept for you, Jack? Well, no, no, no. I'm not. We taking, can have more than four is, good teams. This is this is um. You know, this is no shade at Notre Dame by any means, but... No Notre shame? Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think a big factor in why Ohio State's offense didn't look as great is that their top receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, left early in this game, did not return. Uh, I don't think it's anything serious, so he should be fine. But if you're going to tell me that Ohio State's defense was the big concern coming into this game, and this was a putrid defensive unit last year, but they brought in one of the highly... Respected defensive coordinators Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, who led one of the best defenses in the country last year. I know Big 12 in defense, mind blown, right? But, I mean, look, this Ohio State defense did look really good at the end of the day. Anyway, Tyler yeah. Buckner looked really uncomfortable all night long. Held Notre Dame to just 10 points. Buckner just a buck 77 through the air. Only 76 on the ground for this Irish offense. They did not look one bit comfortable on offense all night long. Yeah, I think so all 10 gonna, points came in the first half, right? Yeah, and if you're going to guarantee me that this Ohio State defense will be there now at this point of the season, I will gladly take that to wait for the offense to come along because you know this offense is going to get right. C.J. Stroud's too good of a quarterback. There's too many good weapons here despite them being young uh, for this offense to not be good all season long. So, I mean, you know, if this defense is a lockdown, surefire, uh, you know, I'm not going to say elite, but a solid defensive unit, Ohio State looks a whole lot more dangerous and would be able to, I think, play with the big boys of the SEC in Alabama and Georgia. I think I think you're right um, to an extent. Uh, I think you were right for assuming Ohio State's the better team. I mean, they won by 11. I think you're wrong for assuming it should have been a blowout. But I think you know part of that could be the uh, the preseason rust being shaken off because uh, Notre Dame was leading after the third quarter, 10-7 or close to the end of the third quarter. They were up three, and then in the blink of an eye, that Ohio State offense, they're boom up 11. So you know it was a 14 point swing very quickly. Um, which, you know, if that is how the rest of the game is, if this game is played in week two, week three, is that the whole game? Who knows? But what I know is that I saw a highly entertaining game between number two and number five as advertised. Yes, Notre Dame lost. I think it was a good loss, though. They, they I mean, they held Ohio State to an 11-point victory. I mean, that is, it, they were winning for a good majority, not majority, but for a good portion of that game. Uh, I think they definitely need to improve their offense. The, uh, like you said, the Ohio State defense had them had their number, especially in the second half. The rushing attack was not there, and they kept trying to utilize that to kind of uh, jumpstart things, and it just it just wasn't working. Uh, Ohio State, you know, solid game, especially second half. Like I said, just quickly attacked and then ran out the clock, and that was kind of that. Uh, so yes, I, I agree where you're coming from that. Uh, you know, number two still is, you know, a, a good bit ahead of five. But that's, that's I mean, that how it is in most sports. You know, usually the two seed is going to beat the five seed. Yeah. I mean, yes, you, you can make that argument. But I feel like in pros, a lot more upsets do tend to happen come postseason time. But, but watching that game, you're saying there's no, after the third quarter of that game, you're saying there's no universe where Notre Dame wins that game? No. They were up 10-7. Yes, but you also have to look at what, what was going on in the game. Notre Dame was very calling a very cautious game offensively. They were they were playing almost as if they were hoping to hang on and win the game, not to assertively go out there and take it. In I the disagree. Quarter. I think they I think uh actually they were hoping to just play it close. I think they, you know, I I don't know. 
That's the vibe I got, that they were they felt like they were going to lose. They just wanted to lose by less, which I think if you play more aggressive, yes, there's a chance Notre Dame wins that game. If you play more aggressively, if you have some aggressive play calling, if you make Ohio State a little more uncomfortable in their own stadium. I mean, there were no huge plays for Notre Dame. Their only touchdown drive, it was a long, methodical drive, if I remember correctly. Well, it was at the beginning of the game, and they they actually started the game off with a bang. You know, they went right down the field to start the game. They got out to midfield on the first play, and I was like, you know, expecting this game to go heavily in Ohio State's favor. I'm like, wow, you know, maybe if Notre Dame can grab the lead early, things can go different. And they did, and they held on for a while. Yeah, they grabbed a—it was only a field goal, though. They got down to, like, the 15 and had to settle for a field goal. Yeah. And that big play only came from one missed tackle. But but it's points. Right. No, absolutely. I I was ecstatic. I was like, yeah, that's that's a nice opening drive field goal. They just couldn't back it up. That was the only big play they had. You know, their touchdown drive in the second quarter, that came very methodically. You know, moving down the field, uh, second down, third down conversions. That's what Notre Dame used on that drive, and they they were never able to sustain it because Ohio State's got a good defense. Yeah, you know, I think you know, before we move on here, my biggest two takeaways for Notre for the Notre Dame side of things is that, you know, Marcus Freeman said after the post game, look, I got to be more aggressive with the play calling. I was playing, 100%. you know, playing not to lose, and you know, they they didn't lose by a lot, but that's fine. You know, I would have preferred the play calling to be aggressive. And my second is that this team is going to look different under Marcus Freeman than they did under Brian Kelly. And I think they're going to be able to win the big game in the near future a lot more than they did under Brian Kelly because it's just different. They looked more in this game. I think under Brian Kelly, this Notre Dame team gets blown off the field in week one. I don't think it's a close game. I think Ohio State wins 42-10, to you know, but that's not the universe we're living in. Brian Kelly's down at LSU, and we're going to get to them next. Oh, what a game. But Ohio State wins. I think I liked some of the things I saw, especially defensively for Notre Dame. They put a solid defensive game. Offense has got to take some steps in the right direction. But, you know, the foundations are there. This is Buchner's first game in a big environment. You got to give him some time. He certainly looks talented. He has that run potential as a quarterback, so dual threat kind of guy. But overall, I think Notre Dame has some things to build off of going into the future. You know, just taking a quick look at their schedule. Also, they got Marshall at home next week. Cal at home, two cupcakes before you go to... UNC to play Chapel Hill. I expect Notre Dame to be two and one going into that game. But overall, for the Three Irish, and one after that game, you know, I, I would agree. I think Notre Dame would win that one too. But I mean, for the Irish, it's just look. You know, you got to take advantage of a soft schedule after a tough, hard fought game in Ohio State like that. I think they'll be two and one going into that UNC game. Yep, I completely agree. And I mean, let's look at the flip side. You know, we talk about Ohio State's defense holding Notre Dame down. I mean, the bottom line is, uh, even though it started to kind of break out a little bit at the end there, you, you Notre Dame held Ohio State to only twenty one points. That's a top team that only scored 21. I mean, you're looking at teams that are scoring in the 60s, and Ohio State only scored 21. You know, that's something to build off of. Like you said, there's just things to build off here. You had, you know, you were in the game. Now you just need to be more aggressive to go and win the game, like you said, uh, for Brian Kelly. So, like, you know, Notre Dame, I'm definitely intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued by them this season, and I will be paying attention. Well, speaking of Brian Kelly, we're going to go down and take a look at his LSU Tigers and they played my Knowles, and what a game. <laughs> what a I mean, phone call from Jack Heim at the end of that game, by the way, folks. I was lucky enough to receive a FaceTime call. I mean, it was just, it was insanity. Insanity. Before we get to the photo Turmoil. finish, a, a finish for the ages, we have to look at truly what led up to the finish of that game. And honestly, for three and a half quarters, three and three quarters quarters, it was Florida State's game, and they own oh, that yeah. game. I almost didn't turn it on. I was watching NASCAR at the time. They, they own the game. I mean, you know, the finish was the finish, and obviously as a Seminoles fan, I didn't like the way the finish was handled until the blocked extra point. But, I mean, look, it's a win. You're 2-0. You get to go home, rest for a bye week before you go to Louisville and continue the schedule, and I'll get to the schedule in a little bit and, you know, have my bullish hopes. But, I mean, 
look, that's a win that Florida State doesn't get in years past, that this program is definitely taking steps in the right direction. Jordan Travis looked fantastic, looked like a much-improved passer, 20 of 33, 262 touchdowns, 7.9 per passing attempt. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. He would not have played like that against this LSU team last year, um, but overall, Travis has taken steps in the right direction. We've got good playmakers around him. The rushing game wasn't the greatest, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's when your offensive line is a little banged up, it's tough to... Uh, you know, get the best rushing attack possible, but they, they weathered the storm. They were able to run the ball enough <laughs> to open up the pass game. the storm? Yeah, they were able to run it enough where they could open up the pass game enough to get it through the air. I don't know about weathering. Dude, okay, this goes back to that uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. You know, the amount of times FSU is going to try and, you know, give up a lead eventually, the other team's going to give it up a little bit more. And that's what LSU did, you know. There was the, uh, the fumble, the muffed punt. I don't know two. what. Uh, oh yeah, two two muff two, punt. and then I don't know punts. what you're doing, shoveling the ball on the on the goal line. I don't I don't really understand that at all. I mean, I was going to get to that. Yeah, I just I'll I'll jump the gun here. I you know I, I always go out of turn, but it is what it is. It's the Wednesday wind up. It's supposed to be fun. Um, it's fun. We're having fun. We are having fun, and you're going to like it, listeners. Um, but I mean. Both teams are trying to give this game away. I mean, Florida State letting you go 99 yards down the field? Are you kidding me? I don't think they had any timeouts either. Like, that is a crazy turn of events. Only to only to lose on a blocked field goal, LSU. What are you doing, buddy? That that game should have been in overtime, though. It should have, but in this universe it wasn't. Correct. So, so. I, I think I don't think weathering the storm is really... Uh, no, no, no. I was. Really, it's more like the storm got nuked. No, I was I was talking about weathering the storm with being able to run the ball enough to open up the passing game. Oh, oh, that, that's the, what I was the first, talking about. Okay, through the first part of the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You like you said, you summed it up beautifully. I mean, it was their game. They had it. Like their game plan worked. They controlled the game. They controlled the game. And yes, until seven and a half to go, they controlled the game. No question. No questions asked. No problem in my mind. You got to finish though, and they almost didn't. Yeah, that and that is the reason for concern. I mean, Mike Norvell and this team has got to finish better in the future. But I think this is a great learning lesson. Game. You win by a little in a game that you didn't wrap up cleanly by any means, but you take it away and say, "Look, we got to finish better next time." But you walk away now with the win instead of saying, "We got to finish better next time." In a heart heartbreaking and gut wrenching loss, mm-hmm. you get out of there with a very close win and say, "Hey, we're two and zero. This builds confidence in the team and." We still need to learn how to finish better as a squad. So it's just I'd, like I'd the rather Tar-Heels. be in this scenario. It's just like the Tar Heels situation. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, other stand-up performers, Ontario Wilson, seven catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns for Florida State. Jared Verse had a monster defensive game, two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss. I mean, he the, the Albany defensive end transfer made his statement in this game mm-hmm. uh, on his first you know big-time game as a null. He's, he has three years of eligibility. I expect him to be in the NFL someday with how good of a skill set he has coming off the edge. He's just very good. I really like the pickup. This defense played really well for most of the game, too, until the final drive, but that was partly of play calling. Uh, but on the LSU side, statistically, Jaden Daniels did not look good through the air. Uh, they couldn't really get anything going in the passing game. He had 209 yards. A lot of that, I believe, came on the final drive. He was sitting below, you know, he was sitting at like 140 early in the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, probably somewhere around 80 yards came in the uh, last drive there. So, yes. But. You know, the big thing for him was he had a big game rushing the quarterback. 114 yards on the ground for the quarterback. I mean, that's big. That's a weakness for the Seminoles' defense. But I like the linebackers. But now we're going to break down the finish before we go into Monday's game with Clemson before we take our next break. Here in the Wednesday one, I mean, you got to look at that and say, 
look, you don't pitch it at the one. You brought it up. You, you just don't pitch it there. But why would you do that? What, what logically would say, no idea. I'm going to toss it at the one-yard line? You're asking for something to go wrong, and it did. Third and one, you put your fullback in like you did earlier in the game and just give it to him for a touchdown. He jumped over the pile. He got him for a rushing touchdown. Put Lundy back in the game. Hand him the ball. Say, plunge at the middle. We need you to get a yard, get a touchdown, close this game Or, out. Or here's a crazy idea. Here's a, here's a radical idea. Um, the, the situation, it, there's a minute left. You're up by seven, right? That's the situation at hand? Yes. Why not? How about this? Uh, I forget if they if LSU had... I don't think LSU had any timeouts. They had, I believe, one. I think or they two. used it on the first two plays of that drive, though. Yeah, they used one early in the drive, and then they used one at the end when they got sacked with 25 seconds left. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I thought they used it when um, when FSU rushed from, like, the five or the three, wherever they started at. Okay, so let's say they have, like, one timeout. Even still, there's a minute to go. Uh, let's let's just assume you'll recover any onside kick opportunity. You know, but you're up by seven with a minute to go. Why not? On third, uh, third and goal, knee it, right? Knee the ball, yeah. take out any opportunity of a fumble, kick a chip shot field goal to go up two scores. That's 10 points. And then LSU has like one timeout and a minute to score 10 points. Florida State's defense has been good to this point. You know, it's not a given that they're even going to get in the end zone and have an opportunity for an onside kick. Personally, that's the route I would have gone because even if you hand the ball off, you could risk fumbling, you know, especially if your name is Miles Sanders. But, <laughs> but I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense to not only run up an actual play there, but to to shovel it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, run a toss. Who are you outsmarting? Yourself. Yeah, that, and that's exactly what happened, and that's why they fumbled. But I think the main problem I have is with the defense. I mean, you have to make the team go ninety nine yards in eighty seconds. That was stunning. And then you just play. We're gonna we're gonna rush three and drop eight. Well, we're, we're seeing rush three so much eight. more of this. Welcome to Eagles fans' lives. Why okay? do, Why are we doing this? Why are we playing prevent defense when they have to go the length of the field? If you have a minute and twenty seconds to go down the field, ninety nine yards, a team will have no problem getting seven, eight yards of play, especially in out college, of bounds, saving the, time. Especially in college when the first down stops the clock until they set the chains. That just gives them even more of time to move down. That's the what field. I'm saying. It's not like NFL where every second is ticking off the clock. This is this is college. They they basically have many timeouts all the way down the field. Absolutely. So it's just astronomically mind blowing, horrific defensive play calling. But it's so much more widespread though. Why are we why at both levels, pro and college, why are we just letting them have chunk yardage? Fight them for each yard. They need ninety nine of them. Yeah, I just don't understand. I don't know why this is being embraced over, you know, all levels of football, too. It just makes no sense to me. But uh, that's that's a question that we really can't answer for you. I don't see any numbers that show it works. Yeah. And it certainly sucks to watch. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. We're going to step aside here for the final time in the first hour. We're going to come back, break down Clemson, Georgia Tech, and then preview some of the more exciting matchups for Week 2. So stick with us right here on the Wednesday lineup on the radio voice of Kutztown University. And welcome back to the Wednesday Wind-Up, everybody, here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Going right back into week one, breakdowns, our final game we're going to look at, Clemson-Georgia Tech. Big implications in the college football playoff talks because Clemson starts the year as the number four ranked team in the country. And for the Tigers, this one did not go clean. You know, the final score might have been 41-10, to and from an outsider's perspective, you could say, well, what are you talking about, Clemson, you know... Manhandled them. Yeah, they... they they beat Georgia Tech into the ground. Uh, they beat them into submission, if you will. 
No, wow, that's not. Jack, that's a little violent. Well, this is KUR. Sorry, smooth you know, jazz. Well, painting a picture here, you know, that's how some people would <laughs> painting a take picture. It, All right, would take it if you win forty-one to ten. But that's not how it happened. Take it away, uh, Picasso. Late third quarter. This was a seventeen to ten game. Uh, you know, this one was really not entertaining to watch. Probably oh, no, until the fourth boring. quarter, it was brutal. It was boring. I mean, neither offense was functioning at any sort of good level. I mean, Clemson's rushing attack was at one point had fifteen carries. For 32 yards. Sub two yards a carry. Yeah. I mean, it was just awful. And it really didn't get much better in the second half. I mean, finished the game with 40 rushes for 119 yards. That's three yards a carry. That is not good. Uh, yeah, I mean, to put it in perspective, me and some folks that were watching the game, I mean, we spent more time. Yeah, this is hyper- hyperbolic, of course, but it felt like we spent more time uh, <laughs> coming up with nicknames for the Clemson quarterback. We settled on ukulele uh, than we did actually talking about the game. Yeah, well, I mean, you springboarded me into a conversation I wanted to get into. You're welcome. My personal opinion, okay, well. It's what I'm here for, Jack. You look at you, Mitch, doing doing the Lord's well, work. Well, you're a painter. I'm a I'm a connector. I'm a man's man. You're you're a man's man. Well, people helping people, Jack. People helping people. DJ Uyangalele. Uyangalele. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See why I call him ukulele? Yeah, it's not an easy name to say, but DJ Uyangalele, the Clemson starting quarterback, 19 to 32, 210 yards and a touchdown. You know, unimpressive. Not yeah, unimpressive, but he did look better than he did last year. I mean, this is a guy who did not look good last year. Reports were that he was getting better throughout fall camp, but you know, a lot of the outsider reports is that his backup Kate Klubnik will be the starter at some point this season and I happen to agree with that perspective. Oh, I agree with it so much more. But you know, it's just a matter I think it's a matter of when, not if at this point. And it's you know, it's kind of a bad situation because DJ's, you know, from every report, he's a good guy. Uh, you know, he's improved at the quarterback spot from what he was last year. But, you know, the talent they have in Klubnik behind him, he's a, you know, he's ready to go now. I mean, he was, you know, one of the best quarterback prospects coming out of high school. He played, you know, highly competitive ball in Texas. Uh, very highly rated. Was a five-star. Comes to Clemson. And he just looks ready. He looked calm, cool, and collected. There was a different presence in that pocket last night when when Klubnik was in there compared to where DJ was in there. I mean, guaranteed it was late in the game when Klubnik came in. It was out of reach. You know, Georgia Tech wasn't really full, you know, invested on the defensive side. They weren't going all in. But, you know, Klubnik just looked more calm, cool, and collected. Things kind of seemed in a disarray when Uyangalele was in there for a large portion of the game until the fourth quarter. But, you know, at the end of the day, Clemson just out-athleted Georgia Tech in this game. It was Out-athleted? Just, yeah, they had better athletes and better talent, and that's kind of just what ended up winning in this game. That's not always the situation, but in this game, it was kind of just, you know, Clemson had the better athletes and uh, didn't really matter what yeah, Georgia it just, Tech did. Yeah, it showed. It just showed. It took a while, but it showed. Yep. I think it, it was a similar, maybe a, even an even more clear case <laughs> than that Ohio State game of the, the week one rust. Just, you know, shaking it off and uh, going out and having yourself a second half if you're Clemson, so... I think that's more of what you saw. Yeah, absolutely. You know, not much positives to take away the Georgia Tech side. Offense didn't really look good. Defense faltered late in the game. So, you know, unfortunate start for the Yellow Jackets, but they got to, you know, move past it and move on uh, to the following weeks. Clemson, I know, is Furman. They're not playing Cincinnati. I'm lying. Uh, Furman next up for Clemson, so that should be a cupcake easy win at home. On to Uh, Furman doesn't have the same ring to it. But, yeah, no. No, it does not. But that's who Clemson's got to go play next. So, uh, but now we're going to take a look into week two, some of the more exciting matchups. We have college game days, you know, where they're going this week. They're going to go down to Austin, Texas uh, with Alabama traveling down 
to take on Steve Sarkeesian in the Texas Longhorns. Tied, tied. Favored by 20 points in this one. And this is a big game for Steve Sarkeesian down in Texas. You know, this is getting hyped up for quite some time now. And it's, you know, it's this is positive momentum has been building for Texas, especially on the recruiting trail. They've got a lot of good guys coming in. They got Quinn Ewers, the star quarterback transfer, who was originally committed to Texas, decommitted, went to Ohio State, you know, got the bag of NIL deals and then came back to Texas. So that situation was a whole uh whole interesting one. Uh, if I must say. But he's the starting quarterback for the Longhorns. They have Arch Manning committed. He's going to be coming in uh, next year. But you have to look at what they have now. And, you know, I try to take the side of painting the picture for the upset. And for me, it's going to be Texas is going to have to score a boatload of points. And Xavier Worthy is going to have to go ballistic if the Longhorns want to win this one. Uh, they're going to have to score 35-plus points. That's the only way I see them beating Bama. Because I don't see that defense holding down this tied offense. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Nothing else to add. That you hit it right on the head. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. I'm not even I a don't, Bama fan. <laughs> I don't agree with that, but no, uh, I don't. I don't really heavily agree with that either. But another I love, game to I watch. love saying it. I love saying Roll Tide. Another game to watch. We're not going to break it down, but Wake Forest Vandy. I just thought it was such Ooh. an interesting one because Vandy's two and zero, and Wake Forest comes in. You know, one and zero. It's a road game. Wake's favored by thirteen. I don't think it's going to be. You know, I don't think Vandy's going to win this game. But because especially I saw a report that starting quarterback Sam Hartman's going to be coming back for a week. I'm not sure the legitimacy of that report because I only saw it from a uh, account on social media that wasn't verified. So, <laughs> but um, really using some good sources there. Jim. No, that's not. No, those are not my actual sources. But I did see that only on once though, so I'm not going to say it's fully true. But if he does come back, what a big gain early in the season for Wake Forest. But I'm not going to say he is because I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere else. So, but. You know, just want to bring that up as a speculation uh, type of thing. Love it. Love it. But, I mean, uh, I'll just disagree. Yeah. I'll say Vanderbilt wins outright. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt covers the spread, wins outright. Wins Interesting take. outright. Well, Interesting you know, take. from the men that brought you Orioles-Phillies, Vanderbilt. Yeah, I was the guy in week one who was high in the Virginia Tech-Old Dominion game. Did you see that? Old Dominion. Old Dominion beat Virginia Dominion. Tech 2017. I was on a boat that day. That Old Dominion? Yeah, yeah, that old Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> they play football too. Yeah, it's oh, crazy. they do it all. Yeah, they 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 do it all. But no. what else? You got? Well, we're gonna we're gonna keep moving on. South Carolina, Arkansas, early season SEC matchup. That's just so interesting because you know Shane Beamer down in South Carolina. A lot of expectations this year. You know, with Spencer Rattler transferring in, there's a lot of positive momentum going for the Gamecocks. Uh, and then, of course, you have the 16th ranked Hogs. Sam Pittman's leading a good crew down there. Really changed the culture in Arkansas, and you saw that's come to fruition last year. It's continuing so far this year. K.J. Jefferson looks like such a beast of a quarterback for Arkansas. In Arkansas, the Hogs favored by 8.5. I do lean Arkansas on this one, but I just think it's an interesting one because you know these are two up-and-coming SEC teams. So I just didn't just wanted to give a quick glimpse on that one. I like it, yeah. But I mean, the, I this, like a glimpse into the future. That, that could be an interesting matchup, not only this year, but years to come. But before we get back into Week 2 preview... A message from the KUR Notebook. Attention KU students, did you know undergraduate research and creativity gives you many of the resources needed to publish and present your work at regional, national, or international levels? To learn more, please visit www.kutztown.edu UGRC. You can also stay up to date on conferences and publication opportunities by following UGRC on Instagram at UGRC underscore KU. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Back in a week two preview here at College Such a Football. Beautiful reader Jack. on the Wednesday one Thank you, Mitch. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, I like to I like compliment that. what I see fit, man. Thank you. Thank when you. I see fit, where I see fit. 
how I see fit. I don't know. One of those. Something. Something like that. I like to compliment. I'm just a loving person. Well, it's actually a highly inaccurate statement. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to go I hate there. most people. But... <laughs> 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 oh man, we got college football. We got MLB. Let's get back into it. Ranked matchup uh, up in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Panthers took down West Virginia in a backyard brawl. The first backyard brawl in eleven years in that rivalry. That was crazy. That was a great game. Thirty-eight, thirty-one. Pitt won. Tennessee favored by six and a half, despite being on the road. Twenty-fourth ranked Volunteers, seventeenth ranked Panthers of Pittsburgh. So I just find this one so interesting because these are two teams that last year were such offensive firepower teams, but couldn't play an ounce of defense. You saying twenty four meaningful game favored over seventeen? Yes, crazy. I know why. But one's in the SEC, one's in the ACC, oh. and I think that uh, I think that's a big part of it. But you know, Josh Heupel is doing a great job down there in Knoxville. I mean, he's really turning this program around for the Vols. You know, the offense looked great last year with Hendon Hooker. Now they got you know Nico Amavelli. I think he's not not there this year, but he's a big time quarterback recruit committed to the Vols. I believe I totally butchered his last name. So, but um, I'm just going to call him Nico if I reference him until I learn how to Nico! say it. So I'm going to go back. But we love you. They have a five-star quarterback commit for next year. This offense is going to be really good this year. I mean, you know what's not to like for this Vols team in the SEC East? I think they're the second favorite team right behind Georgia. But with how Florida played last week against Utah and that 29-26 win, I think the East is shaping up to be a lot more interesting uh, compared to the teams below Georgia. I don't think any of them are going to beat Georgia, in my opinion, because I think Georgia is just as good as last year from what they showed in Week 1. But, hey, it's a long season. Who's ready to fully judge the identities of teams after Week 1? That is not me. I am not in that uh, you know, I'm not in that group of people who makes decisions on teams fully for the rest of the year after Jack Week 1. Jack likes to have one. all his information. Yeah, I like Unless to see his Unless it comes size. to quarterback health on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I like to <laughs> I like to get a sample size. Yeah. So, hey, I did say I'm not confirming Sam Hartman But you return. brought it up on live radio. That's enough. We know, what you, we know you were thinking it, Jack. I was thinking it because I saw it. So I was like, you know, I'm not, I don't believe everything I see. But I'm going to start I was, putting big posters around the, uh, the studio that say Mitchell is the best. And then Jack will believe it because he saw it. Nah, it's just not true at all. It, oh, my God. Not true. Let's put up a poll. Not true at all. Let's yeah, put up a poll. We'll do it the next meeting. Uh, <laughs> Houston, Texas Tech. The Red Raiders favored by three. And this one, Houston had a scratch and claw win over UTSA last week, 37-35 in triple overtime. Uh, no, I believe it's 38-35. Um, mixing up my scores now. I mean, I'm just all over the place. But Houston, you know, I've not done my due diligence on Houston only because I was you know, looking at the initial AP poll. I'm like, Houston's ranked? I mean, you know, I understand there was some traction building, but I'm like, wow, this team's in the top 25. So I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I have not uh, not looked into Houston, but it's interesting how I, I picked this one because Texas Tech is unranked and favored. Um, but I don't know. Gut feel, Houston wins this one. That's just what I got. Okay. All right. I'll let you have it. No, no disputes. No, no disputes. Why would, I, why would I hate on you, Jack? I don't know. I'm here to support. <laughs> You're here. To <laughs> no, support. I got Vanderbilt. You got Houston. You know. So live and let live. Battle for the Cyhawk Trophy. Uh, Iowa State and Iowa. This is a fierce rivalry. Beach. They play every year. Uh, you know, the Cyclones have been struggling as of, as of late That's an against statement. this Iowa team. I mean, they have not beaten them in years. Uh, it's been a fully Iowa-dominated rivalry, but I, the Cyclones look to change that this year. I don't know if they will, but I thought it was an interesting matchup to pinpoint. But one, one more we're going to break down. Kentucky and Florida. The 20th-ranked Wildcats go to Gainesville in the swamp and take down the 12th-ranked Gators. That's right, Florida shot all the way up from unranked to 12th in the nation after their 
Big victory over the seventh-ranked Utes of Utah last week. Wow. Uh, you know, big close out of that one with an interception in the red zone late as Utah was trying to take the lead and win it late. But all the way up to 12th, Florida hung on. I know, big-time movement in the AP poll for Week 2. But, you know, that one is just interesting. You know, starting running back for the for the Wildcats, Rodriguez, out last week to be determined if he'll play this week. But, I mean, look, Florida's favored by 5.5. Billy Napier gets a big signature win in his first game as the Gators coach. Came over from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, but now they, you know, don't, no rest for the weary. You know, you got to get ready uh, for another <laughs> top 20 team coming in. So, interesting to see if Florida could start 2-0. Uh, I wasn't really high on Napier, but, you know, this is a big win to get. It's a big win to get at home against those boys from Utah. But now they're going to have Kentucky coming down. Uh, another interesting Week 2 matchup. Final one we're going to look at. Baylor travels to BYU. The ninth-ranked Bears and Dave Aranda, one of my favorite coaches in the country, go to take on the Cougars of BYU, and they dominated, BYU dominated USF in week one. I was big on that one. I had, I really liked the BYU minus 10.5 favorite spread there. But, you know, I think this is the one where you could put Baylor on upset alert. It's a late night game, 10-15 out in Provo, Utah. Uh, BYU is favored by 3.5, and I do like that. I think BYU is a really good team this year. Notre Dame's going to have to play BYU later on. You know, for some reason, this BYU team just feels a little different this year. They were really good when Zach Wilson was there, but something about him this year, I just really like him. But I like both these programs. I'm a big Dave Aranda guy too. I thought it was a great hire by Baylor when he left LSU as their defensive coordinator when he was when they won the national championship. I think he's a great head coach. He's got a good mindset for his team, and you know they're a good team in the Big Twelve. I think they can really compete with Oklahoma and Texas. I uh, I'm not the biggest you know I'm not the biggest college football football guy, but uh, from what I've observed. BYU seems to be a lot of smoke and mirrors over there, so I am not on board with you on this one. Not on board. I think they, they might win, but it won't be any impressive fashion. No impressive fashion. No. Sorry about it. Well, fine. 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 You know what, Jack? Have it your way. No, we can agree to disagree, and that's what makes this show so great. When have we ever done that? I don't know. Dude, I made it top on my to-do list to come in and hold Notre Dame over your head today. I could tell from the way you were, it was beautiful. You were talking about it. It but, was beautiful. You know, right before we step off and get into our second hour, we're going to get into a little bit of the MLB headlines. we got to go to our our favorite home team's division. Home sweet home. Home sweet home, the NL The Atlanta Braves. I love Storming back from down 10 games or something like I, that. I love the NL East. I love the NL East. And if you couldn't tell that sarcasm, <laughs> man, wake up. Man, the Mets the, are metting. Breaking I, news. I hate the Atlanta Braves. Put it on the record. I said From it on live K-O air. I said desk. it off air. I'm going to say it now. I hate the Atlanta Braves. My my One of my best friends a Braves fan. Uh, yeah. We haven't talked about this yet, but I hate the Braves. I hate so many players on the Braves. <laughs> well, you don't love Matt Olson? No, I don't. Actually, it's not really Matt Olson. I just hate Vaughn Grissom. Austin Riley. Sorry, I'll say it on the air. I hate Vaughn Grissom. Like Why? That. I just don't like that guy. Wow. Yeah. I don't like you, Jack. Sorry, Vaughn Grissom. I uh, don't like you. But, uh... There's dude tied for the division lead. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, you, you're darn right. You're kidding me. You guys don't play each other again, you though. Just, no, we play one more time right oh. at the end of the season. Oh, oh, I am mistaken. Yeah, you are mistaken. But um, don't worry, it's okay. Your Phillies are collapsing too. Oh, so dude, I told to you. Them. What did I say? It's September. What else is new? High five to our favorite teams being garbage in September. Boom. Up top. Hey, I'm still climbing in the standings though. Did you see that? Up top, the Padres are losing more than me. <laughs> I'm in the second wild card. Losses galore in yes. the National League playoff race. Those hey, Orioles just, are just uh, 
I need them to hang on. In the AL, yeah, I'm saying. You know, I said it last night because the Mets were getting crushed by the Pirates. I'm like, you know what? I'm jumping on the Orioles bandwagon. I'm going to I'm gonna yes. win for the rest of the season. So. Let's go. It's catching on. Well, we got plenty more baseball talk, and we'll get an NFL second hour coming your way in just a few minutes here. Stick with us on the Wednesday wind-up. And welcome back to the Wednesday wind-up hour number DJ Moore, number two. Uh, me, Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim to my right, and we are figuring out this headphone situation each and every time. Jack is doing some dance moves to get it around him. I am doing some acrobatics to keep it on my head. And we are both ready to continue talking some MLB and eventually some NFL, which starts tomorrow. But first, we're back in the NL East. Crazy stuff going down, Jack. Absolutely. Mets, Braves tied, tied atop the division. Wow, I don't know why that was... <laughs> That was difficult. It was difficult for me to say. I'll just amplify it across the Only because it was so painful to say. The Braves have tied the Mets for first in the division. Uh, I don't know why I'm so excited about that. I think mostly because I think my number one rival would have to be the Mets as a Phillies fan. It's the Mets. Number two, I mean, you know, it's Braves, obviously, but they're not number one. You know, I can't root for the Mets. I can, I can absolutely love Edwin Diaz's walkout song, though. At least you still have that, Jack. At least I do. Well, the Mets are up 5-1 in the first of a doubleheader today against the Pirates. So, two out in the top of the ninth. Mets up four. They're trying to lock down their 86th win of the year. So, give it to me. Hopefully, the Braves find a way to lose the Athletics tonight. Doubt oh, it. But I doubt that one, buddy. Give it to me. Come on. Come on, A's. Do it for me. Phillies with a nice walk-off win last night. Gene Segura. Yeah, no one cares about Bryce that, though. Harper. I think... Some people in the local audience may actually give a ooh, maybe care about <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you just caught yourself. I big almost time. ended my own career, folks. Wow, that was el- that was alarmingly wow. close. Ooh, <laughs> you got bad words back there. Wow, hey, you didn't invite me. Hurt my feelings. No, but um. Wow, wow. wow. I'm gonna let you talk for a little bit while I calm down. Jeez, I mean, well. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly a good one for the Phillies last <laughs> night. Walk off the fish. Uh, but both of our teams have been scuffling as of late. Uh, but the Mets trying if to turn around If you call today. getting swept by the Giants scuffling. Uh, yeah, it's downright bad. Uh, it's all you could call it. Yeah. But trying to turn it around. So the, the Yankees, though. Trying to win it today. But yeah, we're going to go to the AL East. We're going to take our little uh, trip around the AL East. The Yankees continuing to falter. They are Riddled with injuries. I mean, Rizzo goes to the IL. Benintendi more than likely done for the season. He could come back for the postseason, maybe. Um, but I think he's done for the season. He has to get surgery on a fractured hamate bone. Uh, what so, is that? Uh, it's a bone in your hand. Hamate? Did yeah. you say? Yeah, hamate bone. Point to it on me. Uh, I don't know exactly <laughs> what it is, but it's he's right just in that grabbing, He's just grabbing my... Uh, so. Oh, okay, so below yeah, your it's, pinky. It's no, kind of. I don't really know. But I think that's I'm a muscle. A, I'm not good with anatomy. <laughs> it, so grab that one for the quotes. Uh yeah. So I'm not any uh you know, this is my cousin who takes anatomy and physiology stuff. Uh you know, he would definitely know exactly where it is, but okay. that is that is not a Anyone that is out not there, a talent if you know where me. the handmade so, bone is, please let me know. Yeah, if you know, um cuz it is hindering us. some baseball careers, we can't have that. Yeah, so you know, it is there's a lot of little bones in your hand that, you know, can get hurt swinging a baseball bat. Handmade is one of them. So, um, but I don't need any more hand injuries, dude. Yeah. Bryce Harper, Segura, Starling Marte got hit on the hand last night in the Mets game. Ooh. So he had to leave the game. Not sure his status, but 
the best of him. Yeah, hand injuries take a while to heal, especially for baseball players. Big part of swinging a baseball bat because you have to use your hands yeah. to hold the bat. Harper hasn't so. had a home run since coming back, I don't think, which is no. shocking. He's got a, a bunch of hits, but just can't get one over the wall. Can't get it over the wall. But <laughs> Yankees, I said it better. You did. But <laughs> Yankees, Yankees starting to, you know, that division league, you said, well, it's still sitting in eight games. Now the Rays within four and a half. Oh, that escalated quickly. Rays within four and a half. Jays six back. I don't expect them to be a threat. But Tampa Bay is, you know, they're there. They're lurking. Judge and, keeps doing his thing, though. But Judge, yeah, Judge keeps smacking home runs. So does uh, name Albert Pujols. He is right there, he one behind A Rod. Closing in. 695 in the race for 700. 695. Seven. Pujols stands highly. Pujols stands fifth. Yeah, stands fifth. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the update for that. But, you know, Yankees, well, will they win the division when it's all said and done, Mitch? Oh, another. Oh, you just love my predictions so much now. They're catching fire, bro. Uh, I will go, yes, the Yankees will hold their division lead. They may slip into second for a brief time. However, I think when all is said and done, it is the New York Yankees' first place AL East. What do you think, Jack? I would agree. You know, the Rays are there, but I like the Yankees to win this division. There is a ray of hope for uh, Tampa, though. No pun intended? Uh, Nah. So nah. there is a ray Very of hope much pun in- for Tampa. <laughs> pun yeah, intended. I can tell. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that's it for the AL East. We're going to go to our final tidbit. Got to go to the AL Central, one of the tightest division races you know, in baseball. The Guardians have the lead right now, but the Twins within Twins. a game and a half. The White Sox within three games. They've been a uh, they've been mediocrity Central all year. No pun intended because they're in the Central. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been tough sledding for Chicago. I mean, they see it seems like as soon as you get a glimmer of hope, things just crash down again so i don't think they're gonna make it i think it's solely just a a guardians and twins race which i do think cleveland will end up winning but you know twins within less than two games that's still anyone's division right now oh yeah and it's gonna be a fun run to watch down as we come down you know the final stretch of september i admittedly haven't been watching too much i've just been watching each of the teams in the standings same Uh, i've been watching from afar also however when i do turn on mlb network Everything is high on the uh, the Guardians, so I, I really am liking them. I have a good feeling. We've talked about it on the show. I mean, the pitching there is great. I mean, the starting pitching is fantastic. They have Karen Sheck and Classe in the back end of the bullpen. I mean, the pitching side of things has been good for Cleveland. And then the bats, you know, you got of course you got Jose Ramirez, but Andres Jimenez having a breakout year. A guy was acquired in the Lindor trade. I mean, it's just you know, they they have things going their way. Yeah, I uh, I don't sleep on Chicago though. Mediocrity. I mean. Come on, they're only three games back of a division lead, and it's September. They're six, albeit they don't play. They don't play in the uh, in the same division as the Mets, so it's a little more difficult. But <laughs> okay, okay. I'm well, sorry. I I told you all season it was going to happen, and it's happening. Attention, KU students. Have you heard about KU Bears grant funding? The purpose of the KU Bears program is to support faculty and student research pairs over the summer. The goals are for undergraduate students to develop the necessary skill set to become student researchers and to provide faculty members with paid student research assistance. Undergraduate students selected for the program will receive summer pay for research tasks assigned by a faculty supervisor. By assisting faculty members in their research, students selected for the program will obtain the knowledge and skills necessary for conducting advanced research in their field. To apply and learn more about KU Bears grant funding, please visit www.kutztown.edu 
slash UGRC and look under grants and sponsored projects. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Jack Heim attempting to switch the subject by the uh, designated KUR notebooks. I mean, I had to read the notebook. Oh, he's going to hide behind that. Okay. I mean, did you like the way I brought that in? I loved it, man. Just no intro. Didn't even tell people what was happening. Just jolted them with a KUR notebook. Yeah, boom. Jack, some people aren't prepared for that, okay? All right? You're lucky I'm a veteran over here, but like some of our listeners out there, they're not prepared for UGRC yet. Yeah, well. Got to ease them into it. Well, get educated. You just didn't (laughs) want to talk about the Mets so badly. All right, let's change subjects. It's okay. Well, one more tidbit, actually. I oh, oh, oh. Astros locking down the AL's top spot, and that's really just a quick little thing. I mean, that been, was changing subjects. They've been rocking we were and rolling. About the Mets sucking. Now we're talking 87 about the Astros. Eighty-seven and forty-nine. They're going to win the West again. They're going to be the top spot in the American League when it's all said and done. Wow. And the playoffs will have to roll through Houston, and I think they're going to go back to the World Series. That's just my. That's just my take of it as it stands right now. I mean, not if we take out the trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> I roast everybody. He does. Gets everybody evenly. Yeah. So nah, I get the Mets a little harder. You do. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, we can talk about the Mets a little bit. But I think we should really dive into NFL because we have a lot of big stuff to talk I about. I would one more love thing. to dive into NFL. One more thing about the Mets before we switch topics. Yeah, go is for that, it. You know, it's been really pathetic to see the excuses pouring from this team. Not directly any players saying anything, but you know, the the New York sports media. Well, you know, and Eric Chavez, our heading coach, said. Well, you know, this this team's just looked a little tired, you know, over the past couple of days. You know, I don't want to hear that. I, as a fan of the team, I don't want to hear that, oh, well, you guys are tired. You know what? Everyone's tired. It's September. It's been a long season. It's a long season for everybody, whether you've been fully healthy or not. I don't want to hear that you're tired. That is a lame excuse. Well, honestly, one of the most sad sack excuses I've heard. It's, was it an excuse or an observation? You said it was from the media. I mean, they could just be reporting that, Jack. It is an observation, but, you know, it's just... It's an observation, and it's been true, but it's just also it's kind of an excuse. It's just, I don't want to hear that. Give me a break. If Give the players break. were to say, yeah, we felt a little tired recently, then I would be up in arms with you. But like, I mean, yeah, but they, they look tired, too. It's not just, you know. Right, so you need some better coaching to, action to get to speak in there and say, wake up. Wake up, yeah. New York. I mean, actions, actions speak louder than words, but, I mean, it's just these guys look tired, and they're against bad teams. You're looking you're looking tired and getting dominated by the Nationals and the Pirates. I mean, come on! It's you're tragic. supposed to be a, you're supposed to be a premier contender in the National League. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, give it's the me same a break. Thing with the Phillies. I mean, we went in and, and went over the the luxury tax this year. We brought in Schwarber, Castellanos. Castellanos unfortunately is on uh, IR now or IL. IL. Yeah, different sport. Um, but I mean, we're getting swept by the by the San Francisco Giants. Are you kidding me? And we're we're losing two out of three to the Diamondbacks. Getting in. Im- Embarrassed in a couple of those games, thirteen to one, or what is it? I don't even know some of the scores. It was thirteen seven, and giving I up a seven was... run lead like that. That same thing happened like back in the in the beginning of the season. Then Rob Thompson took over, and it was like, oh, this is a new era. Nope, same stuff is happening now. So it's really frustrating to see, and you know. Please bring me Trey Turner. Absolutely. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that last part. But, you know, again, the Braves don't look tired. The Rays don't yeah, look tired. Yeah, how do the Braves not look tired? Is the water giving them more electrolytes down in Atlanta? Hey, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So these other premier contenders don't look tired, but the Mets and Phillies are starting to peter around in September. I mean, it's, it's it's ridiculous. It's not even this year. It's every it's, year, exactly. Jack. Exactly. But now I'm both of our teams are, of this. But now both of our teams are seriously in the playoff race this year compared right. to last year where we were both, you know, starting to falter before September. But it's just like... It's come on, get it together. How do the how do the boys down in Atlanta who've been 
you know, having an uphill battle at the NL East title all year, you know, they've they've they look perfectly fine. They, don't they stuck look, with it. They don't look a bit worse than they did a month ago. They look just fine. They're dropping new ink on contracts. They're you know slugging. They're just going off. Austin Riley is just an animal. They're playing great. Everyone's playing well. But it's just like, I mean, come on. You know, I'm tired of hearing these you know boring, lame excuses slash you know actualities. I mean, it's it's a real thing. These guys do look tired, but. You know, you're getting paid millions upon millions of dollars to go out there and play, you know, play baseball. It's a privilege, and I understand, you know, it's a long season, and it's going to, you know, be wearing wear and tear on your body, but, you know, as a fan watching this team, I need you to give me a better effort. I just need you to give me better effort. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I'm sorry if I don't get excited about a walk-off win over the Marlins, like, again with an RBI single. It's like, I've, I've seen this before. We We win these stupid games that just, they don't launch us into the playoffs. I'm tired of it. We're going to lose five in a row this week or next week or the Those week after. Those are springboard after. games. Yeah. And they don't use them as that. Right. Exactly. The Usually winning uh, in walk-off fashion over uh, over a, a bad team but a division opponent in your home stadium after coming home after a abysmal of a, of a road trip, that could, like you said, be a springboard game. Like, hey, we got this. Let's go from here. But it won't be. They're going to lose four and five in a row probably coming up. It's going to suck. And it, it, they, I, I don't think they'll miss the playoffs, the Phillies or the Mets, because I just think the other teams are bad as well. But it's not going to be It's not going to be interesting. I'm not going to be excited going into the playoffs. I'm just going to be like, all right, well, are we going to lose in City Field in two games or three games? You know, and it's like, it's just like, you know, for a team in the Mets that's controlled the division all year long, they had sole possession lead for 147 days, and now the Braves have, you know, put themselves in a tie. It's just like, you know, did you not know that this is the most important part of the season, that you're playing the worst teams in the National League? You're playing the worst team in baseball in Washington, and you're playing another hapless roster in the Pittsburgh Pirates. They have a couple of exciting players, they're but outside of that, team. they're not good. I mean, give me a break. I mean, Even this is the just, Phillies could sweep them. You know, they swept them in a four-game set. Yeah. Now the Mets have to go win a rubber game tonight in a doubleheader to win the series and get out of there, you know, saying we won two out of three against Pittsburgh when, you know, the the Braves go in there. If the Braves go in there, it's a sweep. It's a sweep. The Braves go in there, it's a sweep. They, they, make, they make that team look like a, you know, a B team. Exactly. Yeah, the Phillies just a month ago are sweeping the Pirates. Are sweeping, I don't even remember who else now because it seems so far away. But we were just picking teams up and putting them down. We even snatched a game on Friday Night Baseball up in New York. Like, we were having some big moments. And and if I were to look at one moment where it all came unraveled, probably the, uh, was it Canna's second home run after the rain delay? Yep. Deep left field. Oh, no. Like, that just, and the thing is, in the top of that inning, or the bottom of the previous inning, Segura had hit a, a uh, go-ahead home run. We had the big moment that we've been waiting for. Made it 8-7. And it just all comes unraveled. So, well, despite the intense rivalry, uh, you do have to see some glaringly obvious similarities between oh, the Oh, it's a moment two, of unity. Between these two clubs and the Mets and Phillies. The awful thing is they're both probably going to make the playoffs if I had to bet. Uh, yes, I would agree that both and they might of them even will make play the each other. So one of them is going to move on. One of them will move what on. What is that? And it's the, I mean, it's not a guarantee that the Braves are going to get the bye. But I mean, with how both of these teams are playing right now, uh, if I was a betting man, Ooh. I would definitely pick the Braves to win the division. But yeah. that is just my take on it. We are going to end our discussion on the NL East and our cries about our favorite teams. We'll end there. We're going to go shift over to the NFL. We have a lot to talk about. You know, week one predictions, season predictions. I mean, we're going to get into everything. It's going to be a great final 40 minutes. We're going to go wall-to-wall everything. 
Got to uh, start off with Thursday night football. With NFL, but of course, yes, we do have to start it's tomorrow, Jack. With Thursday, yeah, absolutely. Tomorrow Are you excited? night. Excited. Tomorrow night. Oh, I can barely contain myself. We got to get this break over with, and then we'll be right back. It's the Bills. Bills, Rams, and the Rams. I mean, Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. Yeah, we still do have a minute till that break, so we can just. Oh, uh, oh, okay. I thought we, can we were just ramble on a little bit. Let's ramble on. Let's ramble on. <laughs> Rambill on. Oh. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Hugh Gus Johnson. Yeah, oh, wow. me and Jack have been. Let's. This is a good one-minute topic. Me absolutely. and Jack have been absolutely all over Gus Johnson calls in the last like three days. I mean, the dude's just a walking soundbite. He's awesome. Uh, the way I once heard it described is if you, if you took a fan and put them in the booth to call a football game or a basketball game, that's what Gus Johnson is, and it's just, it's amazing, you know. I mean, it is. He's had some. Uh, He's had some memorable calls. And he was on the call for the Penn State-Purdue game. Yes, when, he was. Uh, Clifford threw that game-winning touchdown. Touchdown, Penn State! Magical! He's just like, you know, in awe of Sean Clifford. And he's just got such an iconic voice, too. It's such a nice voice. So, yeah. Uh, that's, had... that's been me and Jack calling each other each night after, you know, after the Penn State game and after the uh, Florida State game and... Just each time we've been we've been talking to each other, we've been quoting Gus Johnson. Yes, we have. We've even been doing it walking around campus. So. We even did it in the production room yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> that you, was a time that if, we should send out some of those outtakes on social media. Oh my, that would <laughs> I be, don't think we can actually. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about that. But we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna get into everything NFL Week One predictions, standings predictions, possibly. You know, everything, the breaking news, all of it as the NFL starts tomorrow. So we will be right back. On the Wednesday windup. Welcome back to the Wednesday windup. Little past twenty after three. We are in our second hour, and we are getting into NFL football. Bills, Rams, Thursday night football. Um, I think one of the stories, even before we get into the gameplay, Jack, is actually going to be where this uh, game is being watched. Prime Video and only Prime Video. What no, do you think? What's your opinion on the streaming services? I see it as on NBC. Is it? Did they put it on NBC? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, week two will start Prime Video. Oh, I w- see. I I looked this up because I came prepared. Right. I actually did some research, Jack. Would you look at that? And it said only on Prime Video. And all the ads I've been seeing are Al Michaels, and it's Prime Video. So I am. Shocked, but happily delighted that this game will be on NBC. Yeah, so the first Prime Video game will be Chargers and Chiefs in Week Two. Oh, one what another matchup! So, oh man, that's going to be exciting. Well, apparently, this Bills Rams game could have more implications than just opening the season. Odell Beckham Jr. apparently, Ooh. maybe jokingly, but I honestly think it might be a little serious. Came out and said he will sign with whoever t- whoever wins this game because Von what? Miller Von Miller went to Buffalo. What? And he recruited OBJ to L.A. last year. No way. Or the Rams, you can go back to the Rams, join that loaded wide receiver room once oh, yeah. again. Just had go a, for a, a title defense. down in the Super Bowl with them. Or you can go join your friend Von Miller up in Buffalo with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and try to go win a Super Bowl and bring one back to the city of Buffalo. How much would that mean to Bills fans wow. if they could get over the hump and get that Super Bowl? I didn't. Where did you see that? Was that a tweet? Yes, it was. Wow. Okay. Okay, all right. So, uh, o- and this one was OBJ. actually credited. This one was actually for me. Okay, this one actually has source. good sources. Yes. Okay. All right, Jack's learning as we go along here, folks. Yeah. This is really impressive. So I'm I'm usually one to get good sources, but yeah. All right. I well, like to bring I like to bring up headlines that you know provide talking points. I love it, Jack. So, 
All right, moving moving away from the atmosphere of the game, and let's just, I mean, get into it. This could be a potential Super Bowl 57 preview right here. Uh, the great, and we can say that with confidence now, Matthew Stafford uh, going... Okay, I think uh, something came unplugged. Going against uh, one of the upcoming and I think established greats now in Josh Allen of Buffalo, each with a tremendous wide receiver at their disposal, Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs. Um, each with, you know, pretty good uh, defenses. I think the Bills have a great defense. Uh, Jack, what are you looking for in this game? Is it an offensive shootout like I'm hoping for, or is it a, a more balanced game, you know, like a, a defensive grind out? Um, it's week one. Where's the rust? I think it's going to be, if I had to predict, predict. Mm-hmm. probably ends up being in like the 28-24 range. Okay. All right, so mid-range. I think, yeah. Okay. And I think the Bills do win this one. You think the Bills win? I do think the Bills win. This is in L.A., though, right? For the yes. Super Bowl uh, yes. banner thing? Yes. Yeah. But, you know, L.A., L- the Rams don't have a lot of fans. No, no, it's not a big home field advantage. No. They pump out a lot of fake uh, crowd noise. They do. I noticed that. Whose house? house. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not real fans. That's yeah. just some audio clip exactly. being played throughout the stadium. So, not a lot of home field advantage. Give me the Bills. And I like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs have a big game. Really? You know, my boy Jalen Ramsey from Florida State, he is there. And he will probably be with Stephon Diggs all night. But Diggs, I think, will find a way to get to him a little I bit. I think Ramsey's overrated. I do not, but... What um, do you mean? He fell down in the Super Bowl, like, twice. He did. He did. But they won okay, the Super Bowl. I am so unimpressed with Jalen Ramsey. It's pathetic. I don't think he... I, I, don't, I think he's an okay player, but I, I don't think he's worth the uh, the big money he, he was assigned and, and all the hype he's got around him. I, I'm really not a Jalen Ramsey guy. I am a Cooper Cup guy, though. Boy, oh boy, do I love me some Cooper Cup. Um, Cooper Cup. And now he's got uh, Allen Robinson as, as the uh, number two on that team and Van Jefferson as the deep threat. Man, oh man, I really could see this game going either way. However, I think, um, you know, maybe just to disagree with Jack, but I think the the Rams have a better running attack. I think if they get a lead, it helps them sustain it, and I think this is going to be a back-and-forth game. I think the Rams will lead at some point, and um, really I just see uh, see the Rams' defense being good enough, uh, you know, in a game where, uh, now, in a league where so much emphasis is put on scoring, both teams are going to, you know, have ease scoring, especially with the weapons at their disposal. Um, really, I think it comes down to, is Matthew Stafford fully healthy? We've been hearing whispers of a, is it an elbow injury? Yes, elbow yeah. tendonitis. Tendonitis. So, I think that's the defining feature of uh, who wins this game, actually. If I had to if I had to bet, you know, coming off a full season, of re- uh, full off-season of rest, I think it could be a, a more uh, nuanced issue down the road throughout the season for the Rams and Matthew Stafford. But I think game one, give me the Rams off the Super Bowl hype. I think they are going to open up with a statement win against the Bills. Um, And I I really just, I see it being a really great game, though. I think everyone is going to be entertained on Prime Video and NBC, apparently. Um, But I I really do, uh, like you said, I think Stephon Diggs also has a big game. Uh, Gabriel Davis, last we saw of him, he was scoring four touchdowns against the Chiefs, right? He was, yes. Yeah, that was a crazy game. Uh, I think we could see something like that, where it's just touchdown after touchdown. Uh, really, each team just going right down the field. So, Buffalo, L.A., crazy game. I got the Rams. Jack has the Bills. Jack, where do you want to move to next? Pick your poison. We're going to go Saints-Falcons. We're going to go across 
one o'clock slate first before we go to four twenty-five. We're going to predict all the week one games. Give a deep we go. dive. Give why why our you know, why our picks are going to win. What are going to be the big reasons for that win, and also just some of the big storylines to come from that game. I'll tell you the reason for the Saints game. Yeah, Saints Michael Falcons, Thomas. Saints Falcons. Uh, you know, sixty-six percent favors the Saints to win this game, according to ESPN uh, FPI I go predictor. With that. Saints on. But, on on uh, on my ledger here, you know, Saints five and a half point favorites. You know, we're gonna make this one quick. I also have the Saints uh, as my winner, so it's just for me personally. Look, the Saints are the better team. They have the one of, if not the best, defenses in the league. You have Marcus Mariota coming in there. Uh, he's not a great quarterback by any means. You have Kyle Pitts, who's proven himself as a very good weapon. You have Drake London as their best receiver with Calvin <laughs> Ridley suspended, who's a rookie. And while I'm high on Drake London and I like him, I don't think he's gonna, you know be a really good wide receiver right away. It's going to take some time for him, you know, to get in there. They have Cordero Patterson on that offense. Can he reproduce what he did last year Doubt with it. Matt Ryan there? I don't believe he's going to have another season like he did, so I'm going to go with no as well. I just don't see a lot getting produced in this Falcons offense. And then Jameis Winston coming back. He looks healthy. He's got a good wide receiver room. Michael Thomas is going to be back. Got Chris Olave, who's a good rookie. Uh, and then you got Jarvis Landry, who they brought in. I like the weapons there. Of course, you have Alvin Kamara in the backfield. I mean, weapons galore to choose from for the Saints. I think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be any any sort of you know rhyme or reason close. If I had to predict a score, I'd say 31-13 mm. Saints. But mm. uh, I do think the Saints win this one, and it's not particularly close. Mm. Now, I know division matchups can get a little hairy, but, um, you know, uh, I like the Saints to win big. I just, you know, these two teams have not matched up. You know, in some good games a lot recently, uh, especially in the past two to three years, it's been lopsided in favor of the Saints. And I'm going to, you know, have it stick that way. Saints win big. Um, I think the Saints are in a similar place where the Eagles were last year, actually. Just looking at the uh, the weapons they have at their disposal, but not really the uh, the glue to hold it together. Uh, I think they're they're decent. They could be a wild card team. Uh, I think the Falcons are exactly where they were last year. Not very good. So I do remember, though, uh, week one tends to see some scoring. It tends to see some rust. Uh, Give me a 27-17 Saints win. It's, you know, close for a little while, I think. But uh, eventually, I think Michael Thomas gets in the end zone. And that's not just because he's my flex on my fantasy team. But uh, I I really just think it's uh, it's a Saints game to lose here. I don't think the Falcons are ever clearly out of it because, it, like you said, it is a divisional game. Give me the Saints, though. I don't think it's a, a huge 31-whatever uh, blowout. Like uh, 31-13. Yeah. Well, you probably have the Falcons scoring a late touchdown and yeah. a prevent defense. So, really, it's 31-6. You know, I think they get in the end zone a couple times. London probably gets his first. Mariota comes out firing to uh, show his new fan base what he's got. Uh, that's really what I got. You know, 27-17 New Orleans. Moving on. 49ers Bears, another Ooh. one that could possibly get that ugly. Could get ugly. <laughs> Niners seven point favorites, but uh, Trey Lance will make his 49ers debut. Justin Fields entering his second year in Chicago. Darnell Mooney's going to be a good receiver there. Outside of that, not really a lot of proven talent in that Bears wide Montgomery. receiver room. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Wide but, receiver um, room, no sir. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's just I don't think it's going to be a good year for the Bears. I don't. Nope. Uh, I do like what I see in San Francisco, though. You do? Um, okay, we differ here. Uh, okay, I don't like. I, I, I don't. Did I say like or love? I think I said like. Yeah, you like. said like. I think that I like what I see. Team. That sounds pretty convincing. That was affirmative. Yes, I like what I see, but I'm going to temper expectations till I fully know what I'm getting in Trey Lance. Oh, I don't but, believe in Trey Lance at all. But from what the preseason has shown us, 
Which is nothing, by the way. Nothing monumental. But I think the Niners are going to be a playoff team. It's all said and done. They're going to get out. They're going to get in there. They're going to get a way to get in the playoff. Find a way to get in the playoff race. I agree with you. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be the best wild card team because I have the Rams winning this division, in my personal opinion. I, it's a, you know, very broad and widespread opinion because the Rams are the best team in that division. But you know, the Niners are the second best team in this division, in my mind. And in an NFC conference that's, you know, outside of the division winners. Not too loaded with wildcard teams. What are you talking about? I'm just thinking about this sitting right here. What are you talking about? The Rams probably going to win win the West. That gives you the the Niners and the Cardinals contending for playoff. I Niners aren't of uh, Niners. Cardinals aren't a contender for me. What are you talking? Nope. Give me a break. No oh way. Oh my god. No way. Are you kidding me, dude? Get out of are my. Are you kidding face. me? Come on. You a Cliff Kingsbury believer? I, I'm a Cardinals can get into the playoff. There's seven teams now. They're yeah, going to no. be contending for a wild card at least. They, they No, they won't. Dude, I love Kyler Murray. They got Hollywood Brown. Hopkins nope. will come back. Nope. This team is not going to make the playoffs. What do you do, James Conner? Nope. Come on. You don't love that offense? I don't love Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, my. Dude, at some point. Okay, the Eagles made the playoffs under Chip Kelly. Okay. Okay. But the NFC East is always a... Dogfight. Yeah. Okay, I don't care. Moving on. The point still stands. I mean, take away the Cardinals. You still have, let's let's call it the Niners. I think the Cardinals finish better let, than the Niners, let, by the way. Let, Niners, let's Saints, Cowboys, Packers. That's four teams right there vying for three spots. Okay, okay. So, in my mind, it's the teams that are going to fight with, for the wild card. 49ers, either Good. Green Bay or Minnesota. Cowboys, and then Saints. Saints, and I think the Panthers could surprise some people if McCaffrey's healthy. No. Yes. No. Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. Panthers will not even sniff the wild card race. You are in for a rude awakening. So I think it's four teams for three spots. Cardinals not one of those Add teams. Add in the Cardinals, man. So, no, Please. no, Please. no. Give me a break. No. What are you talking about? They won't win more than seven games. Wow. In a 17-game schedule? Yep. They'll go 6-11. and 11. Wow. Give me 9-8. and eight. Give me 9-8. and eight. That's what I have the Niners going. Not Niners are an eight-win team in my mind. Nine and eight, given to me. Nine and eight is so easy to say now, though. It's not like it's above five hundred. You know what I mean? I just love saying teams are going to be nine and eight. I gotta, I gotta try and differentiate a little bit. Yeah, we very differentiate in the Cardinals debate. Uh, you are believers in Kingsbury and Murray. It's not necessarily that I believe in Kingsbury. I just believe in Murray. Okay, I believe in Hollywood Brown. I believe in so. Hopkins coming back. James Conner, like that is a. Zach Ertz is still there. I mean, he's down the depth chart a little bit. I mean, he's the starting tight end, but, I mean, he's not one of the top weapons, and he's still okay, you know? All right. Well, we're going to get back to Bears 49ers. Bears we're going to make 49ers. it quick. 49ers win. Tangent. Wow. 49ers win. Yeah, 49ers um, win. It's just going to – they're going to control that game. It's not close, and I'm going to have to hear Trey Lance hype all week. So, so that's going to annoy me. Eagles-Lions. Yes, sir. Give me the Eagles. A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Four-point favorites are Philly. Um, this one does have a, I think, a minor upset alert. Are you kidding? Get out of this, dude. This okay. is not even realistic. Okay. Why You're not going to let me story? finish. You're not going to let me finish. Why is this a story? Um, so I said a minor for a reason. Minor upset alert possibility. I do think the Eagles win the game, but the Lions are, I think, are a better team than everyone thinks. I don't. They're not a dumpster fire like they were last year. Oh, so year. you you made me out to be an idiot for the Panthers? No, I didn't call you an idiot. Uh, that's basically what you said. I said the Panthers won't contend. They're going to be. They're going to contend, man. They'll Come win on. seven games. Come on. They'll win six, seven games. Eight minimum. That's it. Eight minimum for the Panthers. Okay. Well, that's also that's very biased. That's a stretch. That's extremely biased. <laughs> I'm going with it, though, man. Okay. I'm going with that, it. That's just There's your take. Ju- 
but here's the way I see it, Jack. There's always a team, right, that makes a that makes a leap and surprises people, right? Yeah. Panthers, I think they still have a good defense. Their defense was great last year. They lost a couple pieces, but I think they still have a good defense, right? What were they missing last year? A McCaffrey and a quarterback. What do they have this year? A McCaffrey and a quarterback. A McCaffrey and an average quarterback. A McCaffrey quarterback. and a qu- All we need is an average quarterback. Dude, Jimmy Garoppolo won a playoff game last year. Yeah, it's true. Okay? I mean, thanks to Dak Prescott running with 14 seconds to go. But you can do it with an average quarterback. That's all you need. I just need someone serviceable. Give me the Panthers sniffing the playoff card. Uh, the the playoff, the wild card. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to get one because, like I said, there's uh, one two, six teams competing. Uh, but they're definitely going to be in the uh, in the chase there. So, right. Well, back to the Bears 49ers. Niners win, not even close. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about Eagles-Lions. Give us the Eagles. Give me the Eagles. The new look offense does control the game. I can't wait. Eagles win by double digits. I can't. Oh, absolutely. Patriots, Dolphins. Oh, tight game. This is so interesting to me. I was thinking about this division. Sorry to jump ahead of you if you had something to say. I didn't. Okay. I am so interested to see who takes second in this division. It's not going to be the Jets, by the way, which is easy. But no. Patriots, Dolphins. I mean, is Tua is Tua going to take a step? Is Mac Jones the answer? Like, I there's so many. I don't know. I think they're very similar record wise at the end of the season, like within a game. Yeah. Um. So Dolphins are three and a half point favorites in this one, hmm. and I do like the Dolphins to win. I think Tua does take a step forward this year, and I like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle together in that offense. Yeah. I, you know, I think the running game will be a little bit more improved. And I think that defense is going to be decent enough. Do I think you? this is going to be ten win Dolphin team. Okay, I'm not that. High. I think nine uh, or ten. Nine or ten. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta go eight or nine. But uh, I'm not high on the uh, on the Dolphins defense. I think the offense has the p- potential now with uh, not Jalen Hurts. Um, <laughs> Tyreek Hill. Wow, two very different people. Yes. To light people up, I think they're going to be in a lot of shootout games, and that's where the you know the potential for some wins comes in. I don't think they're winning any uh, with a with a defense. Yeah, no. Uh, but you know, I do. Patriots are the opposite. Game. You know, yeah, they're not going to grind out, out of the way with the offense. But yeah, you know, can you doubt Bill Belichick? I am actually this year. I think I am too. I think he's lost it. But you know, anything's possible. Uh, but for me, it's just I think the Dolphins are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be it's going to be hard fought game. I'd say, I'd say 24-17 Miami. Okay. Ooh, a winning touch. Okay, wow. Uh, 24-23 Miami. I think it's a one-point victory, Jack. Tua on a late game touchdown drive. Extra point is good, unlike LSU, uh, to take the lead. <laughs> I had to throw even more shade. Wow. All right. Where are we going next? Ravens-Jets, another quick one. Okay. It's Joe Ravens. Flacco will start. Week one for the Jets, it was announced. And mm-hmm. Zach Wilson be, will be out until week four, the earliest. So they're going to have to roll with the backup quarterback for at least the first three weeks. Yeah. Uh, Ravens favored by seven. This offense goes off. I think it's a blowout. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. think it's particularly close. 35-7 Baltimore. I would love that. Uh, if Mark Andrews could get in on the, on the scoring, that would be fantastic. Give me Lamar Jackson. Have a huge day for my fantasy team. But yeah, man. Oh, dude, we're in this together. Let's go. Yes, Boom. we are. Two high fives in one Wednesday windup. There we go. Game. Set a new record. Yes. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break, We're gonna, uh, but when we come back for the final segment of today's show, we're going to wrap up our week one predictions. The NFL season is here, folks. It does start tomorrow, but we'll 
We will predict the rest of the slate when we come back. And we are back on the Wednesday windup going through NFL Week 1 predictions. And uh, this is our final segment, but no need to fear. We will be back uh, next week with uh, Week 2 predictions and Week 1 recap. I can't wait, Jack. Let's get into it again. Absolutely. We finished up with Ravens Jets, previewing that a little bit. We think it's not going to be close due to the mainly the backup quarterback situation for New York with Joe Flacco yep. getting the nod for Week 1. Yeah, it just doesn't look good for New York. We had Nick Jets. Carolina? Tough. You know what? We can go a little out of order. Okay. Sure. Oh, I didn't know you flip had an flop. order. I thought you were just uh, going randomly. No, nah, a little bit of order, but we can flip-flop these games. So sorry, Jack. Yeah, it's okay. We're going to go to Browns and the Panthers. Carolina favored by one and a half. It's the Baker Mayfield game. That's it's the Baker Mayfield it revenge game is what it's being coined as. Jacoby Brissett going to get the start for the Browns. And personally, I do like that Baker Mayfield revenge. It sounds yeah. sweet. It sounds good, and I'm buying in. Getting I like the, first, the Panthers to the, win week one. Getting the first of at least nine wins, Jack. But don't worry. The Panthers will do what they always do. Dude, they have two games against the Falcons, two winnable games against the Saints. They can swipe one from the Bucks, maybe. Probably not, but you know. And then what division are they playing this year? I don't even know. I haven't looked at the schedule in a long time. But Well, uh, if they play the Browns. They play? Oh, well, that could no, that could be the um, the 17th game. You play uh, another out-of-conference game. Let's look. It could be. If, if so, they got the Steelers, winnable. Um, the Ravens, who knows? Probably yep. not. Yeah, maybe. they do. They do play the Browns division. Browns, okay. Bengals, Ravens, Steelers. How about the uh, NFC division they play? East. E- oh, wait, what? Yep. Eagles, Panthers again? Yes, sir. What? I didn't even know that. No, wait, 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 wait. That's, there's no way. There's no way. No, they, no, it's not. No, I knew it. That was that was last year. Wait, but the year, Panthers Jack. do play the Giants, though. Right. I told you. There's or maybe it's yeah. not out of conference. There's a 17th game now. Oh, you play the. Oh wait, actually, no. You know what that is? That's your um the two games of the teams that finished in the same position in their division as you. Ah, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they play the G Men. Uh huh. They'll play the uh, and then which other division? Because then it's either going to be one of the NFC North teams or one of the NFC West teams that they also play. I think they play Seattle. Okay, so probably the North then. No, they, no, they play the Rams. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, they play the West. They can beat Seattle. They can beat the Niners, right? I'm going too in-depth into Carolina here. This is some schedule maneuvering. It is. But, but uh, <laughs> they get the first of nine wins here. I think somewhat easily over uh, uh, city name. Cleveland, right? Yes. Yeah, Cleveland. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's like the – wow, jump on that line, folks. If you're a betting person – Jump on that line. Would you say one and a half? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Give me the Browns. Not Browns. Give me whoa, the Panthers. <laughs> oh, man. It's so easy. Give I'm me the Browns. <laughs> give me the Panthers over the Browns. Misspoke. But, um, yeah, give, give me the Panthers over the Browns on uh, a tight one. I think it's going to be 23 23-20. I think Christian McCaffrey might have 20 points alone. Get on so, my level, Jack. Come on. I don't know. It's just 23 20? It's going to be one of those, like, blah games. It's going to be you know, it's one of those. Did I really just have to sit down and watch that? Like, it's going to just, it's going to be a dogfight game. It's not going to be great football. 27 16. It's not going to be great football. It's not going to be horrible football. It's just going to be. Yeah, I just watched an average NFL football game between two very mediocre teams on I a Sunday. I agree with you, but 27-16. So, 
23-20, dogfight, game-winning field goal uh, with about minute 15 left. Panthers get a big stop at the end. They win. So that is it. Yes, I do have the Panthers down as a winner. Yeah, I got them as a better winner. You're just more confident than I'm so much more confident. But Caffrey's healthy, Jack. This doesn't happen very often. <laughs> this yeah, is it a doesn't. crazy what a time to be alive. Yep. Uh we're going we're going to the East, NFC East. Woo. Jack's Commanders. Carson and Wentz. So Carson Wentz gets to open the season against, against the team Peterson. that ended. The Colts season last year when he was the starting quarterback. There. Oh, I forgot about that aspect yep. of it. So wow. does Carson Wentz get back at the Jags, or do the Jags continue to befuddle Carson Wentz? How so, do you feel about the Jags this year? Um, Washington's two and a half point favorites. Something inside me says the Jags are going to win. That's me too, man. So I like Jacksonville. I've been torn. I've been going back and forth. I'm like, well, Washington's going to win. I don't know. I kind of like Jacksonville. I have made a decision. I think the Jaguars take it week one despite being on the road. Okay. Um, you wow. know, this could really blow up in my face, but I'm taking the Jags. I'm going to one more time, and this hurts me because he's in my division now. I'm going to one more time ride with Carson Wentz and say that the Commanders open the season with a W against Doug Peterson's Jag. It is Doug in uh, that town, right? Down in Jacksonville? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I knew he went to Florida. Opens the season against the coach that won him the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl with him, Doug Peterson. I think Washington gets the win there. Scary Terry running down the sideline, you know Antonio Gibson. I was torn. I really was. I wrote down Commanders. Game. I wrote down Commanders yeah. on my pick list. Yeah. But you know something inside me at the last second said, you know what? I think I think Lawrence is gonna have a really good game. I think he's gonna be able to find his new receiver Christian Kirk. Yep. I think ETN's gonna get involved oh, in the pass an game. Animal. Yeah, I, I really like ETN for a good you know, breakout year this year. James Robinson's gonna be back there. I don't know. It's just something about Doug Peterson gonna bring a good presence to Jacksonville. I think they're gonna get a lot of people by surprise in this first week. Not the whole season. Not the whole season. But no. I think they can catch Washington napping in this one. This is this is gonna remind me probably of a lot of um the the Eagles in twenty sixteen when Peterson came in. We opened with three straight wins. Yeah. Against the Browns, the Steelers, and someone in the middle there. But, uh, you know, Peterson can do this. He can he can get a, a group of guys behind him, and he might do that this week. This is really a pick em. I'll go with Washington. You've got Jacksonville. Let's see what happens. I'm not really holding you to this one because this is a tough one. Yeah, it's a toss-up. So, toss you know, up. let's see what happens. Next well, one. Let's see what happens. We're going to get a quick one uh, before we round out the 1 o'clock slate with Steelers-Bangles. We're going to go Colts-Texans. Mm. Uh, this is not a toss-up. No. Give me the Colts. They're yeah. favored by seven. Uh, but again, division matchups always get weird. They do, they're, don't they're, they? they? They always get a little fuzzy. You know, it's like you, you look at it and say from the outside, well, the Colts are the, clearly the better team, and they are. But, you know, it's just something about you get a little extra motivation to play a team in your division, especially when you can play spoiler, play upset early in the year. They could get those troops rallied. You know, I, Davis Mills is an all right quarterback. I don't like him. He's, he's not, not all right. He's not bad. He he's not good. Bad. He's just meh. He's I'd not meh. Slightly below average. He's worse than meh. Bottom 10, but he's like right there. I think he's 20 or 21, in my opinion. But I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't know. Give me the Colts. Pretty bad. Give me the Colts easy. Give me the Colts. Give me the Colts easy. Colts easy. Yep. Brandon Cooks, I'm By, sorry. You know, I'm sorry you have to be stuck in Houston. You're 10 such, to 14 points. You're such a good player, but you're on a terrible team. Uh, But a quick message from the KUR Notebook. Attention KU community. Want KUR at your event? No problem. Go to www.cutstown.edu slash KUR. Find live events slash remotes, read the reminders, and fill out the form. Our promotional director or an e-board member of KUR will reach out to you as soon as possible. An important reminder about events is that KUR needs at least three weeks' notice to even consider your event 
No exceptions. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Final segment of the Wednesday windup. We're going to finish predicting our week one slate of NFL games to end today's show. We left off with Colts-Texans, and we both agree that the Colts are going to win this one pretty easily, right? Oh, yeah. This Matt is Ryan's first game is Colt. I think Michael Pittman's going to have a great year. Good. And he's going to start it off week one with a bang. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan see if he Taylor. Can, keep it up. can he repeat his last year's production? Yeah, Frank Reich. Still down there, right? Maybe, yes, sir. Yes, yeah. he is. Okay. So let's do it. Next one. Final one o'clock game Steelers, Bengals. Gross. Bengals favorites. <laughs> I can't get over the way you said that. Minus six, <laughs> minus six and a half favorites are the Bengals. Ooh. Joe Burr. Joe Burrow and company. It's another one of those weird division games. Again, you know? yeah. You know, it's a rivalry, and the Bengals have gotten a lot better in recent years. I'll take the hungry Bengals, though, after the uh, Super Bowl disappointment. I will take these hungry Bengals to beat up on their... Uh, I do. I think it's I a double-digit win. You know, I think one of the biggest problems in this game is going to be how can the Steelers' offensive line fare? Will they be able to hold up? I don't think they will, right. personally. Yeah. You know, I think it's just... You know, it's not like the Bengals' front seven's even elite. They're good. I mean, they're not elite. I mean, they did really good last year, and it's going to have to be interesting to see if they can mirror that production, uh, you know, and replicate it. But again, I just think the Bengals are clearly the better team here. I don't really love Mitch Trubisky starting. He's not a bad quarterback, but he's not see, great. What are you talking about? Don't be afraid to say someone's a bad quarterback. He doesn't bring anything great to the table, but he's not like he's not a guy who's going to, you know. He's pretty a bad at times, games. Like he, Yes, I agree. He He's can be bad at bad. times. But, again, this is also a guy who led the Bears to the playoffs in an 11-5 record. 12-4. and 12-4. He was 12-4. and four. Isn't exactly. that shocking? Exactly. I can't get over like that. Like, he year. has that in him. And he was a, a Cody Parkey double-doink away from going to the second round of the playoffs. I know. It's crazy. Like Isn't that, this shocking? That was not, that was not far long ago that, that Trubisky was able to do that. 2018. That was four, so, four years back. Yeah. But, I mean, like, he still has that in him, I think. Yeah. I, I mean. So it's kind of crazy. Like, he can do some good things. Yeah. But I just don't think it's with this group. I just don't think the offensive that's line's the, even remotely close to good enough. I'm the opposite. I think uh, if he is going to have a resurgence, it's now with Deontay Johnson and Oh, he's got great receivers. Don't get me wrong. Right. I think it's now. I honestly think if there's a time for Mitch Trubisky to be back, it's now. I just don't think it's going to happen early in the season. But this offensive line is just all. not good. I think it's going to take some time to mesh. So, like, it's going to take time to mesh. But here, the Steelers' schedule: Bengals, yep. Patriots, could okay, win, could fine. win against the Patriots. Then you got Browns and Jets. Two okay, wins. Those are winnable games. Three and one to open up the season. Bills, Bucks, Loss. Dolphins, Eagles, Saints, Bengals, Colts. That is a brutal seven-game stretch right There's, in the middle no, of the season. No, it's not. Come on. Read it to me again. Let's go bit by bit here. The first the three are wins. In Buffalo. Like losses, I mean. In Buffalo. Yeah, in Buffalo, loss. Home to Tampa Bay. Loss. At Miami. Ta- not not probably a loss, but winnable. At Philadelphia. Hopefully, loss. <laughs> Home to the Saints. Win. Home to the Bengals. Win. At the Colts. Win. Wow! Wow! That's Shocking bold. take. I'm. Yeah, I think it'll mesh by that point. You're high on Pittsburgh. No, I'm. I'm actually not. That's the weird thing. I don't know where this just came from. Yeah, exactly. I, that's I what don't I'm like Pittsburgh this year, and I'm, I'm probably like, going to come on, and that'll be my first order of business to take like, back that pick. Yeah, it's like it's like me with the Jags that week one pick. Something inside me said I like the Jags week one, but but I just thing, don't. I think I don't know what it's going to be, but I think uh, Indianapolis is going to experience some turmoil this year. I don't know if it's Matt Ryan is actually putrid. I really don't know what it is, but I'm just I'm sensing a uh, Steelers upset that week. Wow! So wow, that'll take some time to uh, matriculate. Is that the word? Yeah. Is that a word? I think so. We'll see. 
I'll look it up later. Okay, well, next we game, do, we we gotta, do have five minutes left, so we got to rapid-fire get through these rapid finals. Let's rapid-fire these. We're going to start the 4 o'clock slate, slate. Excuse me. Giants-Titans in Nashville. Five-and-a-half-point favorites are the Titans. I wow. do like Tennessee in that one, uh, despite A.J. Brown leaving. Uh, I do like Derrick Henry. And you know I don't love this receiving group, but I think Robert Woods is going to have a bounce-back year now that he's the number one option here. Traylon Burks, to be determined what we see from him, but I just don't think the Giants are going to be good enough to win this game. Here's my uh, upset of the week. Giants. Wow. That pains me to say. Wow. I'm surprised. I have a feeling Daniel Jones. So you're high on the Steelers and Giants in one episode? No, I'm not. We got to flag this down. Okay. I'm I'm high on them in one particular week. We got to flag this down, folks. uh, Book it. Flag it. I think Danny Dimes uh, makes some silver dollars out there this week. Wow. That was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't. Even I'm surprised you didn't think, go Cardinals over see, the Chiefs three upset of the week. I think the best, um, I think the best thing about both of these teams is their running backs, Henry and Barkley. Yeah, and uh, I think Barkley's back this year. Uh, maybe not to the Penn State form we saw him or that first year those glimpses we saw, but I think he's back pretty pretty well. So uh, I think the Giants have a fighting chance here, and uh, we'll just we'll just see what happens. I don't really have much to actually support that claim. The Titans were the one seed last year. Can you believe yeah, that? I know. It's crazy. And uh, so if I had to, you know, all logic tells me Titans, but I'm going to go with Giants. Upset of the week. Upset of the week. My upset of the week was the Jags. We got a rapid fire here through these final five. Packers, Vikings, big time divisional matchup week one. Ooh, this I go do way. like the Vikings to okay. go. Packers are one and a half point favorites. I like the Vikings to cover and win. I'll take the Vikings. Give me Minnesota. Yep. Chiefs-Cardinals, out in the desert, Chiefs six-point favorites. Chiefs. I love the Chiefs to win this one, and I don't think it's particularly close. Yep. I think they steamroll the Cardinals. Uh, you know, D-Hop's not there for the first six games. It's going to be tough sledding for this offense. Not really sure what we're going to get out of Rondell Moore. You know, he's a potential breakout guy. Not exactly sure yet. Take Another big-time yep. AFC West matchup. Raiders-Chargers. Oh, this one's nice. J.C. Jackson, best corner for the Chargers, out for week one. He will not be playing. Who's going who's gonna to step up and cover Devontae Adams. That's to be determined. Uh, I have the Chargers written down, but for some reason, I'm not really sure. It's a Uh-oh. toss-up for me. Uh-oh. I'm going to flip-flop. Give me the Raiders on oh, the road. No. Give me the, the win. Raiders. And I went on this show last week, and I said how much I love the Chargers. They win this division by yes. two, three games. But I don't know. I feel like Devontae Adams is just going to go off. Wow, I don't. I think it'll take time for him and Carr to get on the same page. Yeah, but they have that college connection, man. I understand, but give me the Chargers. I don't know. I'm so 50-50. I know this is a this is one I go back and forth on too. Chargers so. three point favorites. I don't know, but maybe that. I think it's exactly three. How's that for a prediction? It's exactly a three point game. You know what? We're going back. Either. Give me the Chargers. I can't Ooh, thinking no. more in depth. I know. Oh, I know. No. I know. But like thinking more about this Raiders defense, I don't. I don't trust them. Right. I don't trust them. That's where I was at. Yeah. Like J C Jackson being out is a glaring hole. But like, ugh, this Raiders defense is a hole. I don't know. I feel like Herbert's going to carve them up. Yeah. So I'm going to go back. Give me the Chargers. Bucks Cowboys Sunday, Sunday night. I did it better. You did, <laughs> but I didn't. Also, didn't try to do it. I just said no. Sunday but I said night. we all we both said Sunday night. I just said it better. I said it like Carrie Underwood. We did. Personal things going on for Tom Brady. He will be playing Bucks two and a half point favorites down in Jerry's World. Give me the Buccaneers. The, these two teams opened the season last year. Bucks Great did win. Game. Fantastic game. I think it replicates that. Give me Tampa Bay. Yeah. Give me. Um... Wow, I'm about to pick all four NFC East teams to win. Give me Dallas. I think uh, I think Brady falls off a complete cliff this year. Wow, I think Dallas wins. That's crazy. No, I'm on the uh, opposite. I think, Brady I, I, goes I think high, CeeDee but... Lamb is just going to have a game under the lights. We can vary. 
Final game before we wrap up today's show. Broncos, Seahawks, Monday night. Broncos country, less ride. Revenge game for Russ. Give me the Broncos. They're six and a half point favorites. I like Denver to win this one. Broncos double digits. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly close. Nope. That it, there it is. There it is. That's our week one predictions. Uh, we're going to sign up for today's show. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Another fantastic episode of the Wednesday Windup in the Books. Love it. From Got Mitchell Smith. Without getting kicked off the air. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> no, uh, no, no more. You know, Whoa. No what were more, you about to say? No more fishy situations here. Okay. But, uh, thank okay. you for tuning in. We'll be back next week to break down week one, college, uh, week two, NFL week one. Yes, Tune sir. in next week. As always. Thanks for the support. Go Birds.